Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, there was a weekend. Five All-Stars sitting out the Jazz-Laker game and a couple of spring football games. And we're going to cover it all here in the first hour. Jazz lost to the Lakers in OT. Really entertaining game, even though so many big names were out of it. And Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley are both listed as probable for tonight's game. So, advantage Jazz getting them back. Uh, We'll get to that coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, we're going to start with the spring football games, the Utes and the Aggies. First, the Aggies. Blake Anderson, the head coach. Uh, the blue-white game had the offense versus the defense, so they gave the defense points for some situational scorings, three and out, stopping fourth downs, that kind of stuff. Uh, and he thought it was definitely a mixed bag, and actually it's pretty funny uh, talking to himself about <laughs> how angry he got with him. <laughs> I'm going to be angry with this no matter what happens. Here's Blake Anderson, his take on his new team at Utah State after his first spring game. Here's the coach, Blake Anderson. Clearly the defense started out better than the offense. Proud that they responded, and, and likewise, the fact that the defense found a way to create some turnovers at the end. So I, I really can't win today. I'm going to be mad at somebody either way. I uh, didn't like the turnovers, but just the energy was good. Kids have been phenomenal all spring. Um, we're pushing them, asking a lot of them, but they're they're just coming back every day with great attitude. So I'm, I'm really pleased. Um, got out of it, I think, pretty healthy. I don't really think we had any bumps and bruises that were major, which is another big plus today. And with 7-0 linemen, uh, to get the day we got today with uh, without causing any other issues, I was, I was pretty pleased. So a lot to teach off of, a lot of work left to do. Summer's going to be huge for us fall camp. But, um, you know, I, I like the team. I, we're going to be competitive. And, and who knows what we can get done over the summer and maybe some additions to the group with, and, and just some late additions in recruiting. And who knows what this group's capable of. Coach, is the offensive line – has that happened during the camp, or have that been a problem all camp? Of well, we guys? went in with a couple guys that were hurt to begin with, and then we've we just strangely the last week uh, have had a few in that position that we're not able to go today. Nothing that's going to be lingering into the fall, but enough to keep us really limited today. Made it tough, but man, they they fought through, and and we we got all seven through today. They all made it; none of them went down. So that was kind of holding your breath, but it was a, it was a plus. Coach, it seems like. Um, it seems like Andrew and Cooper are kind of like your two main QBs. What did you think of the way they played today? Well, I don't like turnovers, and I don't know who threw them, but beyond that, good. Uh, made some plays. I thought Pisa did a good job of extending plays and creating a couple big ones. The one that DT scored on was him creating, and that's the thing he does really well. Uh, you know, Bonner's been out all spring with a broken bone in his foot. Would have loved to have seen him get reps with this group, but they've been really valuable reps for that quarterback room. Competition's still out there. We, we still got a lot of work to do at that position, but I do think they've both improved through the course of the spring and, and have a have a good grasp of what we're wanting to do in this offense. Coach, you got a lot of running backs out there, and pretty much all of them seem to have some pretty good moments. How tight do you expect that running back depth chart to be? I think it's going to be really tight. I can see where we'll play a lot of guys. with If we can get the amount of reps that we'd like to get, uh, which means we're moving the chains and, and getting first downs. It, it could take several. Uh, it's not going to be a one, just a one-man show. We're just not. I don't think we're that room, and I don't think this style of offense allows for that to be the case. Been really pleased of getting productive, efficient reps from really everybody in the room. Um, it, it, it seems to be. It doesn't matter which one you put out there. It, it, within the offense, they're all being fairly efficient. Uh, they can block, they can catch the ball, and, and they, they they finish forward. And that, that allows us to stay ahead of the team. So I, I'm really pleased with that group. Both this scrimmage and uh, the, the first one, you, there were a lot of defensive guys. You know, 
potential impact guys on the sidelines. It yeah. seems like most of them are walking around. Uh, how confident, hopeful are you that everyone's going to be good to go for uh, for summer camp? Well, I, I feel great. Uh, we really have had uh, the surgeries that were needed to get guys prepared were done early. All those guys should be back for summer work. I don't, I don't expect any of the injuries that we've had over the course of the spring to linger into fall camp. I think everybody should be back full speed. Now, we need to have a good summer, a safe summer in training and don't create any other issues. But to get through, you know, spring ball with as much banging as we did and to not tell you we lost somebody for the season is, is a blessing because that does not always happen. Coach Von Gretchen and Carter, are they making some big plays on defense? Other guys that stood out to you on how they played defensively? I, I think the defensive line is really taking some big steps. We didn't get a whole lot of pressure the first couple of weeks. Last week, they started to show up. Coach Banda and the crew are starting to utilize those with more movement and kind of turn them loose. And if it was you know, live quarterbacks today, they, they probably would have had another couple sacks. They're definitely in the, in the vicinity. Um, but I, I think they're doing the same thing we're kind of doing a running back. They're playing a lot of guys, throwing a lot of guys at the problem. I think collectively the energy and the attitude is phenomenal. Uh, and that will give us a chance. If we'll play harder than the opponent on that side and chase the ball, it will give us a chance. Can you talk a little bit about just having spring football where these guys were shut down in their second practice yeah, last year yeah. and what that's done to the mentality of everybody, even in their work now that you've seen during spring? Yeah, it's hard to even – I don't know, even kind of look back and realize this time last year, you know, everybody was at home and nobody's working. So we, this has been, this has been really big to, to get a full training cycle, to get a full spring, to, to be able to work with these guys every day. I, I think that's one of the reasons that there's, there's just a, a, a huge energy in the, in the, in the meeting room and in the locker room and on the field. And you can see it when you come to practice, they're having a great time. I think they appreciate what we're getting to do because it was taken away from them a year ago. So what will the plan be then now? What do you do? What is your summer plan for this team? Well, we got finals and stuff coming up here the next couple of weeks, so it'll be pretty limited. Uh, NCAA says we got to give them a little break, so we're going to do that in the month of May. Come June June 1st, they'll be here full-time, and we'll be working. Uh, Coach Jackson, will uh, he'll dial it up a little bit. We, we've acclimated them. We're past the acclimatization. Now we're get-after-them stage, and the summer's huge. Lift, run, four days a week. Meetings when they allow. These guys will practice a couple days a week on their own. We call them player-run practices. We'll find out in August, you know, what kind of team we really have because you kind of turn the keys over to them in the summer. It'll be challenging. Coach Jackson will – he will find out who really loves ball and who doesn't over the course of the summer. And then the other thing I was going to ask you is – uh, they're starting to recruit in person again in June, or at least they yeah. kind of talked about that. So that changes things, but already we're seeing a few guys are saying they're committed to you guys. So you've been doing a lot of work, it sounds yeah. like, before that anyhow. But can you talk about what that's going to mean to you guys? Well, recruiting is 24-7 year-round. So we've been we've been doing everything we could virtually. Uh, the month of June is going to be huge to get guys on campus. Uh, virtually is one thing, but spending time in a room with a guy and looking at people face-to-face and getting to meet family – we will expect to have people on campus pretty much every day in the month of June. We'll have some camps as well. We'll be announcing those pretty soon. Uh, but that's where I think the bulk of recruiting is done. We've got six commits right now, and I think it's a great start. But uh, we've still got three-quarters of the class left left to field, and I would expect a lot of that to be done during the course of June. Coach, the, the press release for this event said that fans had to wear masks in the stands, and it seemed like a lot of them either weren't wearing any or – had them on incorrectly. Yeah. You're an influential voice in the athletic department. What's your message just for that going forward? You know, obviously some of the restrictions are changing and we're hoping that they change more as the vaccine uh, 
you know, more and more people are, are being vaccinated and, and, and seeing the numbers change across the country. It's hard to control what happens in the stands. People got to do what they feel comfortable with. Down here, we're just trying to keep keep distancing, keep masks on, space, and try to be as, as smart as we can. We've been testing every week, and I mean, we virtually had zero positives for, for, for well over a month. So I think what we've been doing and and I think the dynamic of the virus itself and what are people are doing in the community has worked to get us through to this point. So I'm hoping to have a full stadium in the fall, and I'm hoping people don't have to worry about it, to be honest with you. But uh, we'll just see how it progresses. Hey, Coach, in the process of implementing the new offense, have there been any players that have risen this spring as leaders and kind of carried it forward? Yeah, I mean, I think you could ask Coach Tug a little bit more specifically, but it's clear to see. I mean, DT has been a – probably maybe one of the best recruits we made was getting him to stay put. Uh, I think there's some some subtle leadership happening up front on the O-line. Just that group kind of – it kind of moves the offense. If that group's playing collectively with energy and playing well, it gets you going. Um, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of guys to really emerge over the summer now that they've got a good foundation of what we're doing. Uh, but but I've been uh, I've been pleased with that, that group's resiliency. Bad day, come back, have a good day the next day. Bad first – you know, I don't know, 20 minutes of this, and then they rebound, start making plays. And uh, to me, there's there's some guys that are going to step up. We've got some really good players that aren't are practicing too, that have the ability to step into those roles over the summer. Speaking about rebounding, your defense seemed to do that as well. Yeah. You were up early, fell behind. What did you think of just the feistiness and the competitiveness of that side of the ball? Yeah, I, I was pleased. That, that's something you you can't let one drive or one big play get you down. We talked about it in the meeting before we came out. There's going to be there's going to be give and take. You you got to respond, uh, get back up off the turf, and step back into the next punch and the next play. And they did that. Created two turnovers, got themselves right back into the game in terms of the score. It's funny. We've been doing the scoring system for the last five six years, and it always comes down to the last drive. It just inevitably it comes down to the last drive. Had the defense got a stop, they would have gotten three points and they'd have won. Offense got a score and, and it, it won the game for them. So that's we wanted it to be competitive and nobody quitting made that possible. There's Utah State coach Blake Anderson. When we come back, the youth spring game. Kyle Whittingham on the state of the team. We'll hear from quarterback Charlie Brewer and Devon Vele, receiver, had a pretty nice game. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Time to hear from the Utes after their spring game. Quarterback Charlie Brewer. Going 15 for 15. Of course, he was the one guy who couldn't be hit in the game, uh, which I think tells you about his status on the team pretty clearly. Here's Charlie Brewer after the game. Charlie, you didn't miss a single throw that you made today. Uh, it, it looked like you were feeling pretty good. Was that the case? Yeah, I mean, I think it was fun for us to get out there, um, you know, especially as an offensive unit and just kind of, you know, an exclamation point to put just the spring, really. Um, and go have some fun um, and kind of show, you know, a glimpse of kind of what we've been doing. Next question will come from John Kuhn with AP. 
Charlie, how, how is your uh, chemistry kind of progressing with the receivers? It seems like you guys are on the same page pretty well from play to play and drive to drive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a ongoing, you know, process of, of getting that timing down as, you know, as good as we can. And, you know, throughout, you know, winter workouts and stuff like that, we were able to do that on our own. Um, and, you know, now throughout camp, uh, uh, spring ball, um, we're, we're able to, you know, strengthen that even more. And then now, you know, going into summer, we'll do a lot of throwing, um, a ton of it. So keep building on that. Next question will come from Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Charlie, at this point, how comfortable are you with this offense and with this playbook, you know, now that spring's over? I feel very comfortable with it. Um, obviously, there's, you know, a good amount that I, I can still, you know, learn. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to it. But, you know, I think, you know, throughout spring ball and really, you know, like the day I got here is when we started going over it. Um, you know, it's been an ongoing process all, all spring. And I think it's been really good and feel like I have a great understanding of the offense. And just a quick follow-up to that, you know, as an older guy, you've been through this before. What is the mindset now um, in this time period between, you know, spring ball ending and the summer program starting? You know, what is this four or five weeks about to be like for the players? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of guys will go home, um, you know, and, you know, obviously a key thing is to stay in shape and, you know, get with, you know, whoever you work out with, everyone kind of has their own guy probably that they work out with back home and, you know, and then we'll come back up and, um, get, you know, get it going again. Next question will come from Jeff Call of Desert News. Charlie, what uh, has impressed you about Devon Bailey's performance, not only today, but throughout the spring and kind of what are your expectations of him for this fall? Yeah, I mean, I have very high expectations for him. I feel like he... You know, as a complete receiver, um, you know, he has size and, you know, he can jump out of the gym and, you know, really go up and high point the ball. So, you know, I feel like he's, you know, really a, a big play receiver. Um, and I feel like he's going to have a huge fall. There's Utah quarterback Charlie Brewery talked about Devon Vele, redshirt freshman who's had, uh, you know, it used to be if you're a redshirt freshman, you hadn't played a game. He's played in nine games. He got four games, but that was a redshirt year um, because now they have the new rule, right, where you can play four games. And so he played four games, mostly special teams. And then last year he got to play in five games, but last year doesn't count because they paused the eligibility clock. So, And he's a return missionary, so he's <laughs> like a 22-year-old freshman. He could break Britton Covey's record for oldest player ever at Utah. Uh, Devon Vele, he's a redshirt freshman out of the uh, San Diego area, 6'4". Uh, walked on a couple of years ago, making an impact. Here's Devon Vele after the game. Devon, you've uh, we we haven't been able to watch you guys play until today, but uh, it seemed you know you were obviously making a lot of really good plays. What have you been really focused on during spring ball and also during during the off season? Um, the biggest thing I've been trying to learn is just uh, you know doing my job um, and understanding the offense. Uh, we got a lot of playmakers on the offense, and I just want to uh, add a little mix to it, whatever I can to um, find success. Um, and the spring was uh, an opportunity for me, not only for me, but a bunch of the other guys, too, to find our place into uh, what we believe can be a really good team coming in the fall. Next question will come from Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. 
At this point, Devon, after the spring you just had, what do you think you need to work on the most so that you can get on the field come September and, and really make an impact? Um, I think my biggest thing I just need to learn is uh, having confidence in my play. Um, one thing I noticed from uh, last COVID season was, um, I guess, um, there's a saying like the lights were a little too bright for me, you know. Um, I just got to understand that um, I have a place in here at Utah football and I need to um, step up, you know, especially with the guys, uh, Brian Thompson and Samson Nakua leaving. Um, it leaves a, a big gap in our team, but I understand that this team is ready and capable of doing anything we need to. And I need to understand that I need to step up as well and uh, continue to make plays, not just uh, for one practice or one spring game, but I need to do it at a consistent basis. And just to follow that up, you know, you say that maybe the lights were too big, but the fact is you were able to get five games of experience. How, how, how critical were those five games? Oh, they were huge. They were very huge. Um, one thing that helped me, it, under, it helped me understand uh, the biggest things I needed to work on. Um, it made me work on my craft a lot more and uh, gain a stronger work ethic um, to really commit myself to this team and to this program to do the best that I can where, uh, wherever they need me to be at. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Devon, how would you describe uh, your relationship and chemistry with Charlie Brewer? Uh, I think it's great. Um, me and Charlie, we were really good. Uh, we always really good at communicating with each other, what we see on the defense and what we think it could work, what can work, what couldn't work. Uh, and we did that even today in the spring game. Uh, did little audibles here and there, uh, reading the defense, understanding the defense and understanding what we can do to make uh, those big plays happen. So I think uh, our relationship is actually really great. I know it could be better too as uh, the time passes and uh, both of us continue to work together throughout um, summer camp and eventually in the fall camp. There's Devon Vele after the game and here's his fellow receiver, Solomon Enos. Solo, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Charlie Brewer. He didn't, he didn't miss a, a single pass attempt today and uh, you know it, it, he looked really good out there and you've obviously played with him throughout all of spring. Just your, your thoughts on his play throughout spring. Uh, his play's been consistent, especially throughout practice. Uh, we've been turning up in practice uh, in relationship and with the receivers and the quarterback group, but, you know, he's really stood out the most. Um, you know, he's just a consistent guy. You know, he's advertised when we got him. It's just that's what we got. Uh, he's a dog. He's a great captain, great leader. Uh, you know, he's going to spread the ball when he can. He's a playmaker. You know, he's going to go in there and be like, hey, get open. I'm going to get you the ball. So, you know, that just building that relationship. I mean, I think it's a great fit for him to be here. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for the future. Next question will come from John Kuhn with AP. Solomon, with your experience in the program, what has been different about this spring for you? What, what have you learned personally going through spring ball? Uh, going through spring ball this year, I really tapped into the playbook a lot more. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very – I take pride in being a student of the game. So instead of just learning my position, position I, you know, I kind of spread out and learn everyone's. Just I could be more versatile, you know, amongst the group. Uh, you know, so I've been diving in the playbook a lot more, not saying I haven't already, but, you know, learning it uh, detail-wise, uh, just trying to be a guy that can pretty much play anywhere. They can put me anywhere and, you know, be successful at it. So, you know, just kind of hunkering down, locking in, and focusing on those details and just being a guy that the team can rely on no matter – if I'm on the sideline or if I'm in the slot or the outside, I'm blocking the whole time. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to prepare myself to be the best teammate I can be. Next question will go to Trevor Allen. Coming into spring, we knew you guys didn't have Samson and Brian anymore, but it was, it, and, and we knew that we had you and, uh, and Covey, but 
Devon Vele made some really good plays today. Has that been something that has been throughout throughout all of all of spring? And is he a guy who you think could step in to fill the void of those two who left? Uh, yeah, Devon Vele has been our secret weapon for a minute now. Um, you know, it sucks seeing Brian and Sampson moving on, but you know, we support them guys at the end of the day. They got to do what they got to do, and you know, we're brothers, so we love each other for that. But you know, Vele has been ready. Uh, he's been consistent. He's uh, been reliable. People can rely upon him a lot. You know, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for this tandem that we got going on, this duo that we got going. Um, but I think anyone in the room can get the job done. I know Covey, Covey and I are kind of the front runners. JD came back uh, with some experience in the experience aspect, but uh, I think Bailey's ready to go and he's fully capable. All right. Final question for Solo will come from Jeff Call with the Deseret News. Yeah, how was it just uh... – being in the stadium, having fans there, hearing noise and things like that. What was that experience like for you today? Man, I missed it. Just seeing people in the crowd, just hearing noise. You know, during COVID, they had the speakers playing, like, the little surround noise and all that. But it wasn't the real feel. But uh, today, you know, it's kind of a sigh of relief that we there's hope. It's promising that we can have fans in the fall. But hopefully everyone continues to wear their, ma wear their mask, gets vaccinated, you know, take care of their part so we can see more fans and we can really fill up the stadium, especially with the extension. I mean, you guys seen the extension today and, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I can't wait for it to be rocking. And I think, what, September 2nd, September 3rd against Weber State. Uh, you know, we got a lot of work to get done before we get there, but I can't wait to see all the fans in Rice Cycle Stadium. And there's Solomon Enos. Enough from the players. Let's hear from the head coach, Kyle Whittingham, what he thinks of his youths as spring football comes to an end with the spring game. Good culmination of spring ball. Um, a lot of guys making plays out there. Uh, you know, we may have had an injury or two. I'll have to find out uh, come tomorrow what, where we stand with that. But uh, otherwise, it was a, a good spring overall. Got made a lot of progress. Got a lot of things sorted out. Still have some things to sort out uh, going forward. And that's what fall camp's for. Um, but I think we're in a good place right now, and we'll uh, – you know, we got to get ready for the summer conditioning, which is the next phase, which starts June 1. And that'll be a, a huge uh, part of our success or lack thereof, depending on how we handle that. So that'll be important that we attack that summer conditioning program. Questions? First question will come from Trevor Allen with KSL Sports. Kyle, you were, you, you've were you been hyping up uh, Charlie Brewer pretty well, and that was the first time we got to actually see him live and didn't miss a pass. What did you think of his performance? Clean, just like he's been all spring. He's, he's a quick decision maker. He's accurate. Uh, gets the ball out of his hand quickly. Um, does a good job protecting the football. And so what you saw today was uh, what we've been seeing all spring long, and uh, it's going to be a great battle between him and Cam come fall camp uh, for that number one spot. And Charlie uh, has really done an outstanding job of, of uh, integrating into our program, uh, becoming a youth, uh, understanding how we do things. And uh, he is uh, a guy that uh, we have a, a lot of hope for. And, and like I said, Cam, we, you know, coming off last year, uh, earning that job and then unfortunately getting hurt in the first game, you know, that tells you what, tells you what we think of Cam as well. Uh, and so that should be a great battle this fall. Next question will come from Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Kyle, it's been a while since there's been any signs of like real normalcy with a crowd and the band and, and the cheerleaders. Just what did you think of the atmosphere today? It was great. My players really were excited about it. Uh, it's been, what, since 2019 since we were in a, in a stadium that had fans in it. And uh, our fans showed great support today, even though there's only 6,500. 
Uh, our ticket guy told me that we probably could have got over 20,000 had we let everybody in that wanted to get tickets that made phone calls. And so that's, that's encouraging to hear that the fans are excited about the team and, and uh, we're hoping that we get to fill that place up this fall. So we'll see what happens. Next question will come from John Kuhn of AP. Kyle, you had a, a, quite a good mix of running backs today. Um, and then Jaquindon Jackson got, got a little bit of a chance to show off his running skills. Is, is that a role you kind of envision for him within the offense, um, being able to come in and do some reps at running back? Well, you mean running back or as a, as a running quarterback? Both. Well, yeah, not, no, no real plans to move him to running back, but, but uh, he's a tremendous athlete, as you saw today. And uh, whether or not we evolve into a uh, Jaquinnon package as a wildcat type of a, a situation remains to uh, be seen. We'll see how things go this fall camp. But uh, we believe he has a, a high ceiling and uh, is going to be a really good player for us. He's just a freshman. And so he's got a lot of eligibility left, and, and we're excited about him. And, and uh, he made a lot of progress this spring. And if he continues to progress in the fall camp like he did in spring, there very well may, uh, may be a role for him uh, this fall in that capacity. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Coach, I'm curious just about your uh, overall thoughts about the performances of the, the freshman quarterbacks, Peter Castelli and Jaquindon Jackson. I thought both of them showed good signs. You know, Peter came out and, and made some nice throws and, and showed some mobility in the pocket and uh, essentially played that entire first half. And then Jaquindon played the entire second half uh, for the Red Squad and, and did some good things as well. He threw some good balls as well as make, made some nice runs. Uh, they're still learning. There's a, it's a process. Uh, you've got to be a little bit more decisive at times in the pocket. Don't hold on to the ball so long. And that's, that's part of the maturation process of a quarterback. And uh, but we feel like we've got a, a bunch of good freshman quarterback quarterbacks, and we'll see how they sort themselves out as uh, you know as time goes by. And then just a quick follow up: um, what were your what were your thoughts on the uh, running back transfers, um, TJ Pledger and uh, Chris Curry? Very positive. Those guys uh, showed some good stuff today, and that that's what they've been doing all spring long. Uh, between those two and Mackay Bernard, we think we got a you know three backs at least that are really going to be. Uh, you know, top-notch guys and, and very capable. And then we have uh, Ricky Parks, who's coming this summer, and you saw Charlie Vincent do some good things, uh, you know, in the scrimmage. And so we think that that position is going to be uh, just fine and very productive for us. Next question will come from Josh Furlong with KSL.com. Hey, Kyle, you've obviously touched on the, the running back's position, but uh, today's logo obviously had, was a memory to Ty Jordan. You know, how, how do you kind of balance that knowing that, you know, you, you've obviously lost a great talent, but you've got a lot of depth there that, that can kind of take over while also recognizing all that today? Yeah, well, Ty's loss is, you know, we, we all, you know, it's just, I don't know what more I can say that I haven't already said concerning that. It's just a tragic situation and, and uh, something that uh, is, you know, on the minds of our players uh, constantly. And this is a way, you know, the the uh, emblem we had on the side of the helmet and the emblem on some of the sweatshirts you saw out there, uh, long live Ty Jordan. We just want to continue to uh, keep him in the forefront of our minds. And, and every dollar that was taken in today by tickets goes to his uh, scholarship fund. 
and uh, we will name a player this fall that's the recipient of the Ty Jordan Scholarship. That'll occur during fall camp, and that's something that we uh, plan on keeping uh, alive and, and going for, for years to come. Final question will come from Trevor Allen with KSL Sports. What did you learn about your team come by that, that you probably didn't think of when you started spring ball? Well, I think we're going to be a complete football team. That's uh, We had some question marks at certain positions, and I think we've uh, solidified just about every question mark we had. And uh, you know, we'll take a hard evaluation these next two or three weeks of, of what transpired in spring ball and evaluate all the film and, and determine if we need to uh, – you know, continue to look through the portal and, and you know, decide what uh, what shortcomings we may have. But but uh, overall, we, we came out of spring and uh, feeling like we're a pretty, pretty good team. And, and again, we'll do the, uh, you know, the final analysis uh, in the upcoming weeks. And we got a lot of tape. We have uh, over 800 reps of team reps uh, in a team setting that uh, is basically a season that we got done this spring. And so there's a lot of, a lot of film to continue to evaluate. And a lot of guys uh, had a lot of opportunity this spring to get better, which uh, we feel they did. There's Kyle Whittingham after the youth spring game. All right, we've heard from the Aggies and the youth coming up next, the Jazz, after their loss. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Well, that was a weird game in Los Angeles Saturday. First off, kind of a letdown Five all-stars from this year's game, and none of them play. Not one. Everybody's out. But it ended up being a very competitive, very entertaining game. Ended up going overtime. Jordan Clarkson is back. The time off did him some good. Uh, But the Jazz now uh, tonight are expected to have Gobert and Conley for the game as the two teams play again tonight on ESPN. All right, let's get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Happy Monday morning to everybody. Uh, the Jazz fell on Saturday afternoon to the Lakers in overtime, 127-115. Really hard-fought game. Jazz were missing uh, not only Donovan Mitchell, of course, with a sprained ankle, uh, but Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, and Derek Favors also all missed this one. Jazz very shorthanded, fought hard. Jordan Clarkson hit a three late. Uh, the Lakers ended up uh, uh, getting a layup from Dennis Schroeder to put it into overtime. Um, and the Jazz just uh, ran out of gas in the overtime period, end up losing 127-115. to They were led by Jordan Clarkson at 27 points. Uh, Irsan Ilyasova had 20 points, 6 of 8 from 3, as he uh, got a, got the start in place of Rudy Gobert. And Joe Ingles, who also started, uh, he had 20 points to go along with 14 assists. In fact, the Jazz had 31 assists on 42 made field goals, but came up a little bit short. Uh, Andre Drummond led the way for the Lakers with 27. Uh, Dennis Schroeder and Contavious Caldwell-Pope both had 25. Let's get some uh, postgame sound going. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hi, Coach. First question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, so Ursan gets the start at center tonight and comes out just absolutely firing. Uh, has a pretty kind of out-of-nowhere game. What did you see from uh, him throughout the course of the game tonight? 
Well, I mean, you said the beginning of it, I thought that that's, you know, that's one of the things that he's capable of doing. And, you know, obviously on the, on the level that he did it tonight, um, his aggressiveness early, um, something that, that we want from him, uh, allows us to, to space the floor from another position. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's reflected in, you know, the number of threes that he got up and, and our ability to, uh, you know, to get more clean looks from different guys. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Well, it seems like to some degree there was some experimentation there um, with different looks, different lineups. What did you take away from this game in, in those uh, respects without the three All-Stars? Well, you know, I think more than experimentation, we're just trying to feel the game and looking for different combinations that, um, that could help us, and particularly when, you know, they were making a run and, and I think it got up to 14 where um, we're just trying to find, you know, different guys that could, could make plays and kind of connect together. Um, you know, and that's, that's not always that apparent in a short, short time. So you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're guessing on some level, um, obviously an educated guess, but we had a lot of guys that came in and, you know, gave us contributions no matter how, um, no matter how small or how large, I think we had a lot of guys that came in ready to compete. Last question, Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Uh, and to piggyback off Andy a little bit, what do you hope the guys who don't play as much, what do you hope they take from a game like this? Well, I think we've seen this in a few games, you know, that you never know when the game's going to present itself uh, an opportunity for you to make an impact. You know, the end of the half, um, Jarrell goes up and makes a big block. Um, just that there's always, you know, I put me in for a short stretch to defend. Uh, foul trouble can dictate a lot of those things. So everybody's, you know, everybody's got to be ready to contribute and everybody can do that in different ways. Um, sometimes it's, it's difficult, you know, when you're seeing how combinations interact, particularly, you know, in tonight's case, when we didn't have as many ball handlers, guys really had to share, uh, share that responsibility, which, you know, isn't, isn't always easy. There's Coach Snyder. His team came up a little short in overtime, 127 to 115. Let's move on and hear from the players. Let's start things off uh, with Irsan Ilyasova. Okay, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Irsan. Um, five of five from three in the first quarter, but things started to quiet down a little bit offensively for you through the rest of the game. Were they maybe running you off the line a little bit more, or what was ha- happening after that first quarter? Well, when we do try to explore the weaknesses as far as just, you know, being a stretching five and, you know, put the under drum and a pick and roll. But I think as far as, like you said, you know, you know, hitting those five threes and they try to, you know, they change the game plan and uh, try to, you know, guard with a smaller guy. And I mean, like I said, you know, try to be productive the same as I was in the first quarter, you know, just get the crush to face the glass. And I think we did a really, really good job as a team, you know, be aggressive. And I mean, small things could, you know, uh, falling our way, but, you know, stuff happens. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Arsene. Obviously, with this game, with having Rudy out and Donovan out and Mike out and Fave out, we're seeing a lot of, you know, different guys playing who normally don't get so many minutes. We're seeing a lot of different lineups and, comp, you know, uh, strategies and, and things like that. How difficult was it kind of trying to find ways to make things work tonight? 
I mean, this is, you know, the, the, the beauty of the team, you know, everybody ready. And obviously it's a long season, you know, a lot of ups and downs as far as just, you know, the injuries and, you know, things like that. And I think when I look at this team, you know, everybody ready. Uh, obviously, sometimes you have no minutes, but, you know, you do your work and obviously get ready. And when you name call, you know, you just get up there and do whatever necessary. And uh, this is one of those nights, you know, when uh, everybody was, you know, come up on the bench ready to play. And uh, like I said, we, we had this game and close to the end, we close and close out. You know, obviously, if uh, we could rebound a little bit more and, you know, uh, less turnovers, we could win this game. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Ersan, tell me about the uh, block you had on Kyle Kuzma. What did you see on that play? When I see him coming, you know, on the baseline and uh, we, we was playing zone, you know, I tried to, you know, recover from the corner and like I said, try to, you know, be aggressive defensively and I meet him at the rim, you know, and, uh, you, you know, like I said, I tried to put my effort into it. And uh, like I said, overall, you know, we play really well defensively and, you uh, uh, like I said, you know, it's, it's a, it was long, some stretches when we could be better. Yes, but like I said, you know, it's we have another game with them and try to get better. Maxime Lagorgis, the free agent out of France. Um, what does the coach say at the end of the first quarter to explain your comeback? Uh, like we try to be aggressive, you know, move the ball and uh, I think eliminate the turnovers, you know, the less turnovers and uh, it's like we, you know, we got uh, ourselves in the game again, you know, down, I think it was down 14, you know, we come up and uh, we make a run, uh, we share the ball, you know, we play, you know, aggressively, defensively and I think that uh, the zone defense helped us a lot, you know, cut them off guard a little bit and like I said, I mean, our struggle was, you know, kind of uh, defensive rebounds, you know, and we try to black people out and you know, they're really big and strong, you know, down there. And uh, when we do that, and we just be able to run and make those trees. Last question, follow up from Eric Walden. Obviously, I'm sure that, you know, you knew with with Rudy and, and Fave both out and Udoka, you know, being out long term that you'd be seeing some minutes. But just given that, you know, most of your appearances to this point have kind of, you know, come late in games or in blowouts, what was it like knowing that, you're going to be thrust in right from the beginning tonight and, and having an impact on the game from the outset. What kind of adjustment did that require from you mentally? I mean, this basketball ever the same. Uh, obviously, this season so far was really unusual. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of practices as far as just, you know, it's a lot of games, a lot of traveling, you know, and uh, I mean, it's all some of those things, you know, it's hard to kind of uh, keep up, learn, learn, learn the new places, you know, but like I said, it's all about playing basketball, you know, and uh, when you play against, you know, with the guys who really, you know, with high IQ basketball, you just, you know, try to make a play and, you know, be in the right place and do the right things. And I think, like, you know, like I said earlier, you know, it's all about just stay ready and uh, prepare yourself for whatever necessary, you know, and uh, come up strong and play your game. That's your son, Ilya Sova. 20 points, five rebounds, four steals, two blocks, including just a monster block on Kyle Kuzma, who's going up for the dunk. And uh, Ilya Sova stuffed him cold right there at the rim. Let's move on now and hear from Joe Ingles. All right. We'll start with Eric Alden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Joe, with uh, three all-stars out and and Fave also out, how much kind of different stuff did you guys have to try out there tonight just to kind of make things happen and, and fill minutes? Um, I mean, I would say we had to try. Kind of any, obviously, there was different guys out there for, for bigger stretches than, than normal, obviously, Ersan and Duan being kind of the two obvious ones. Um, 
offensively, obviously, and defensively, just try try and keep it a little bit more basic. Obviously, we we like you said, I mean, we were missing four pretty important guys um, with with the guys that you mentioned. So just just kind of keep it keep it basic, let it flow, let guys play. Um, I think for the majority of the game, we did a, a pretty good job. Obviously, um, we we missed some stuff uh, late, had some turnovers late, and they they kind of counted off that, but. Um, I mean, we were one stop away from from winning the game, really. So um, we'll take a lot, a lot, obviously, some some good stuff out of it. But I mean, regardless of who's out there, it still sucks to lose. So um, yeah, we'll we'll kind of get back together and watch some film and, and get ready for the next one. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Joe, I think you guys had like eight turnovers in the third quarter. Um, was there just some confusion or miscommunication or was that more from what the Lakers were able to do on defense? Um, I mean, I can't remember one of them, so I couldn't really pinpoint what they, they were. I probably had one or two of them. Um, don't nod your head, Andy, otherwise I'm going to slap you through the camera. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, it's, they obviously picked up their they – uh, they came out of the half and, and picked up their energy um, a, a little bit more than what they were. They weren't – picking up at all in the first half and they kind of picked up full court a bit more and we're, we're at the point of screens a bit more and, and just got a bit more aggressive, I think. Um, that's obviously it's a lot of it. I would assume if we, we go back and look at it, I would assume it's a lot of it um, that we can control um, passes or losing the ball or whatever the, the situations were that we can control. So um, like I said, we'll, we'll go look at it, but um yeah, it was a it was a good effort. I mean, like I said, a lot of guys that don't normally play play pretty heavy minutes, and um, and did a really good job. So I think we we can take a lot of that good stuff away, and then we um, will hopefully get player X, Y, and Z back next. Year. I don't know who's going to be back or not, but whoever's back, um, we'll go back out and, and take the good things and and try not to have eight turnovers next game in the quarter. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, how did you guys think – how did you think you did defensively um, and, and kind of split into two looks kind of with that man kind of setup you had and then obviously the zone in the fourth? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we were solid. Um, when you lose a game, there's obviously things that you can uh, you can, can make do better or, or fix or whatever the situation was. Um, I mean, again, like I said, it's like we had guys that haven't really – like you can watch as much in shoot around or watch the game, but being out there is completely different. So um, proud of the guys that, that came out there and, and played their asses off and competed. And um, like I said, we, we tried to mix it up a little bit. We went to zone. I think we, that, that really helped us for a patch there. Obviously, they got used to it as well, um, probably a little bit. Um, but um, they they – Ran what they were kind of. They ran what they wanted to run. They, I think they got a few overboards out of it that they ended up hitting threes on and and little things like that that um, that we can clean up. So um, yeah, it was a it was a good effort. Obviously, like I said, it still sucks losing regardless of who's out there or who you're playing or, or no matter what. So we'll uh, we'll go look at it. Look at the tape. I'm sure. Um, come back on. I don't even know what day it is. Whatever. Whenever we play next. Last question, Maxime Lagorgis, the free agent out of France. Maxime, the free agent. <laughs> I, um, where do you find the mental strength to come back? Say that again. Where do you find the mental strength to come back in this game? Because I don't want to be on any of the clips in film. 
if you're on one. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, no, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's why we play basketball. It's why we, we do what we do. We want to compete. We want to, we obviously want to win. That's <laughs> first and foremost. Um, I mean, I compete at home with Renee of, with everything. We compete, compete with my children over things. Um, I think it's just the nature of who we are and the, the jobs that we have. We, we want to win regardless. And um, I don't know what we were down at one point. I think we were down like 13 or 14, whatever it was at some point in the game. And um, that's where you just, like, again, you've just got to figure it out on the fly a little bit because we're, we're in the middle of a game, but figure out what we can change defensively. I think the zone helped. Um, offensively, like I said, we wanted to play obviously a little bit more free and get some threes up. Um, obviously, with different bigs, we didn't have Fave and Rudy. We had Ersan and, and Juwan playing the five, so uh, obviously different looks from our, our five. So, um, yeah, I think, like I said, I think a lot of it, 99% of it is just the fact that we we want to win. You want to compete. You don't want to, you don't want to lose any game, um, regardless of who you're playing, what the the timing is, what time the game's at. Even if you play two one o'clock games, um, you, you want to, uh, you, you want to win. So that's just the, the competitive nature of, of who and, and who we are. Okay. That's it. Thank you, Joe. Give my man Maximus a job. He's a free agent. That's Joe Ingles, 20 points, 14 assists for Joe on Saturday. Joe also had three steals. He was 6 of 14 from the field, 6 of uh, 12 from three. Had some uh, some turnover issues in the third quarter, as they talked about a little bit there. But other than that, Joe with a really terrific game. Let's uh, wrap up the player sound with Jordan Clarkson. All right, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Desert News. Hey, Jordan. Um, it looked like you were maybe limping a little bit off the court there at the end. Is your ankle feeling okay? And uh, how, how are you feeling after the back-to-back and playing 46 minutes tonight? Oh, 46 minutes. Uh, I even see that, but uh, I wish we ended in regulation. But, uh, no, my ankle's feeling good. Uh, I was just a little, you know, tired, probably soreness still left in there. But, um, you know, we competed, played hard tonight. Um, you know, it's good. We got a rest day tomorrow. I'll be ready to go uh, on the next game. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, fatigue, tired. Uh, I haven't played that many, that many minutes in a long time. So, um, just one of those things that, you know, it just happens. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Jordan, with uh, Donovan out and Mike out, obviously that made a, a huge difference for you personally. And then, you know, with, with Rudy out and, Fade out, just guys all over the place kind of put in different situations, bigger situations. What kind of were some of the unique adjustments that you guys found yourselves having to make tonight as the game went on? Um, really, it was just defensively. You know, they came out there with a, you know, a big lineup. You know, we, we had to switch things, um, you know, pull in and help uh, cause us to uh, get in closeout situations. But um, you know, being down, I think we we got down 15 at one point, uh, maybe even more to that. Just to be able to fight back, get in the game, have a chance to win it uh, was really good. You know, once we get, you know, guys back healthy, um, I think we'll do a good job of uh, holding that paint down and, uh, you know, stopping them from getting those uh, easy baskets. Last one, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Jordan, you got the chance to play with some guys that maybe you don't or haven't got a lot of time to play with, you know, Urson, Trent Forrest, and so on and so forth. Just kind of what do you make of their games and, and kind of what do you learn about them when you get the chance to play with them on the court? 
Uh, get to learn a lot about him. You know, Urson really shot the ball, spaced the floor for us. Um, that was the first time I actually seen him in, you know, live action and, you know, really got to play with him for a long amount of time. So um, tonight he really showed that he could shoot the ball, space the floor for us um, and, and defend also. Um, you know, he made some big plays for us, uh, for us to have a chance to win that game. You know, the block on Kuzma was pretty big. Um, I think Joe comes down and hit a three. Um, you know, those are big plays for us. Uh, you know, guys that come in the lineup and, and uh, you know, change the game um, is really big for us. Just shows how deep we are. And, um, you know, it's just going to get us ready for this, uh, for this run, this playoff run, and uh, the end of the season. There you go. Jordan Clarkson, 27 points to lead the way for the Jazz, 11 to 27 shooting, uh, 5 of 15 from 3. Jordan Clarkson, as he talked about there, played 46 minutes. All right, coming up next, more DJ and PK. The Jazz lost the Lakers in overtime on Saturday, 127 to 115. And, of course, uh, up next for the Jazz, I should mention, uh, they play this very same Lakers team again tonight. That game will tip off at 8. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. There's the best of the Jazz post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. I mean, this is, you know, the, the, the beauty of the team, you know, everybody ready. And obviously it's a long season, you know, a lot of ups and downs as far as just the injuries and, you know, things like that. And I think when you look at this team, you know, everybody ready. Obviously, sometimes you have no minutes, but, you know, you do your work and obviously get ready. And when you name call, you know, you just get up there and do whatever necessary. This is one of those nights, you know, when uh, everybody was, you know, come up on the bench ready to play. We, we had this game and close to the end, we close and close out. You know, obviously if we could rebound a little bit more, and, you know, uh, less turnovers we could win this game. There's Ursinilia Silva. Got the big playing time. Came out and hit a bunch of threes, five for five in the first quarter. And listening to those comments, PK, you know what I think? I think he's got jazz DNA. Okay. Oh, come on. I thought I'd get something for that. <laughs> come on. Give me a little something for the effort. Is it Urson or Ursan? It's probably Ursan. In the eye of the beholder. Come on now. Oh, it is? No, it's Ursan, I believe. Oh, I thought you were going to throw me a bone there. All right. All right, so the Jazz lose to the Lakers 127 115 in overtime. There were five NBA All Stars in that game who didn't dress and didn't play. Obviously, no LeBron and no AD, although AD is supposed to be close, but he's supposed to miss his 29th consecutive game tonight, although. He should be playing soon, apparently. And Donovan Mitchell is out for a week or two or whatever it turns out to be. Rodrigo Bear and Mike Conley did not play in that game, but are listed as probable for tonight. So 0 for 5 on Saturday, 2 for 5 tonight, apparently. Uh, despite the fact so much star power was missing, that was a entertaining, competitive game. Uh, one stop at the end would have been good. <laughs> one stop with eight seconds left in the game and win it would have been good. Joe Ingles said it sucks to lose no matter who's playing or not playing. It was right there for the taking at the end. What I was hoping there in that last possession after Clarkson hit that three, that Rudy actually was dressed. And so he rips <laughs> off his street clothes. I only need you for eight seconds. I mean, I don't think eight seconds is going to burn you out. 
the ghost of the statues and all those guys could have had him in there, man. He could have blocked that shot, and then they would have won. That would have been so cool. That would have been the story of the weekend in the NBA. Clark Kent goes into the phone booth. What's a phone booth, Grandpa? He just takes off the uh, his whatever he had. Suit. I don't, know. I don't yeah. know what he had on. Well, his casual clothes, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's all a tearaway. It's all a I gimmick. Just, I just need you for eight seconds. That's all. Because I'm not sure Schroeder certainly doesn't get to the basket as easily. Maybe oh, he, he gets might, there. Might, maybe but, he takes a 17 footer. What? Yeah. Rudy's in. Mary's yeah, yeah. jumper. <laughs> and at that point, uh, Ilya Sova had fouled out, which they have got to change that rule. The, this, the, the fouling out is the dumbest thing, man. Give him a free throw or something else, but uh, don't expel the player. Give him the free throws and the ball on the side. That'll do it. That's a huge penalty. What? Yeah, each time he commits a foul over yeah, uh, seven, eight, nine, whatever. That That is essentially a turnover. You just, like, take away the team's next possession. You give the ball right back to the opponent. And if there's anything coaches hate more, it's a parade to the free throw line and turnovers. So you just make the sixth and seventh foul or eighth foul or whatever, both of those – That'll knock it off. Actually, it might lead to the same thing because coaches might really be sitting guys at that okay, point. Okay, but, but that's not their the, choice. It is their choice and not the biggest stars. I mean, if you now have you're LeBron. You're pro-choice, DJ. This is what you, we need to do. If you have LeBron on your team, you'll roll the dice on a 7th or 8th foul happen. Oh, you got to have a good one like LeBron's going to get 7 or 8 fouls. Good one. You're, you're funny. That's You want a reaction? I just gave you one there. That's never going to happen. Finally came full circle. It feels so good. All right, more on the Jazz coming up. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Bam against Green. Four seconds. Three seconds. Bam. Inside. Shot up. Got it to go at the buzzer. And Miami wins it 109-107 as the big man, Bam, puts it in to end the ball game. George straightaway, he's got 20 points. He'll try another straightaway three. Oh, oh, George, raindrops. It's a 30-point game, and PG's got 23. We addressed it after the game. We don't need to have it one-on-one. Everybody in the building knows what happened. And it wasn't just him. We screwed up that entire play. It wasn't just him. There were two mistakes on that play. They know what they are. We deserve to lose. When you do that, you deserve to lose. It's not like somebody threw in a tough one. We deserve to lose. Stan Van Gundy apparently deserved to lose. The Pelicans get beat by the Knicks 122-112. to 112. Julius Randle, 33 points, 10 assists. So we've got this new expanded generous playoff uh, format where 9 and 10 have a chance to play their way in. But the Pelicans, PK, for all the talent, all the times we get to see them on national TV, oh boy, they are 11th. They are three games behind the Spurs and the Warriors. If you're a little frustration in Stan's voice, don't the Pelicans have enough talent that they should be in the top 10 out of 15? I don't know. They force-feed me the Pelicans, so I never watch them. I can't (laughs) answer that. I have no idea. I refuse to watch their team. It's the Pelicans again. Woo-hoo. I know. Uh, You also heard uh, highlights in there as the Clippers will let the Minnesota Timberwolves 124-105. to Paul George goes for 23 points. And the Clippers are now three games behind the Jazz, a game and a half behind the Suns. There is a chance they could make a run here in the home stretch, PK, and get to the two or even the one seed. They're not completely out of it. They're rolling. They've won eight out of ten. The Jazz here uh, have given up a couple games to them recently. 
Well, I think it depends on what they do as far as their lineups. But, yeah, they most definitely have a chance because they are rolling. And I've been saying it now for weeks. Paul George has just been playing outstanding basketball. I feel like that's a little bit of a broken record there if you want to go old school because every time he plays, he's been playing well. It's going to be so interesting and entertaining to see if he can keep it up in the playoffs because if he can, then this team is extremely dangerous. There's just no doubt in my mind. And I know that they don't have a history, and he doesn't have a history. But, so it's somewhat of an if for sure, if it's there, this team I think is as good as any team in the league. The storyline on how far will the Lakers fall without their two stars. I mean, they could go to six, seven. They could be down at eight in the playing game. No, I think we found the floor. It's five. They may bounce back and do a little better than that. But the team's in sixth and seventh place. They can't win enough to take advantage of the Lakers' 500 stretch here. The Blazers have lost three of four. Terry Rozier went for 34 points. The Hornets, without Gordon Hayward, beat the Blazers without Damian Lillard. 109-101. 109-101. Portland's dropped three out of four. And Dallas has lost five out of seven. The Mavericks had their two stars and still lost to the Kings 121-107. Well, he did. The, 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 Dallas is like uh, just Portland. And they got to make shots. And, and Porzingis was like three of 14. He didn't make shots. Rolled his ankle but stayed in the game. That thing went way over. But he did stay in there. But it didn't matter. They got beat. So... Those two teams don't look like they have any shot of catching the Lakers, so the Lakers will be be fifth at worst, and we'll see if they can uh, grab a spot or two in the standings and climb back a little bit when they get their guys healthy. The uh, the Suns lost right after the Jazz lost. Did you find that surprising, PK? They stayed a game and a half. I back. did, yeah. Mm-hmm. The NBA uh, TV they got the thing on uh, unscrambled the package. I don't have the package since I watch all the Jazz games, but. For uh, two tomorrow, through tomorrow, they had it unscrambled, and I watched that game Saturday night, and they were never in that game. Never. I mean, never. Literally. I mean, it was just shocking to see San Antonio. Uh, Coach Greg was over there uh, figuring out ways to rip people that he doesn't agree with. He didn't even have to coach the game. I saw him just on his notes, just writing stuff. He sat down there. They even got fined $25,000 for breaking the resting rules and still won. Yeah, I mean, it was... Wow, the Suns, that, that had to have been, if not the, one of the top two or three worst games they've played this season. They were down nine after a quarter, 19 at the half, and the run you expected to get back in it never happened. No. It was all Spurs all the time. It was stunning to me. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Well, the NBA has instructed teams to be vigilant about the impact of a potential verdict this week in the Derek Jovin trial for the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. They've already opened up the possibility of game postponements, depending on what happens in different cities. Closing arguments in the case are scheduled for today. And uh, PK, a lot of people are comparing this to uh, Rodney King and what happened after uh, the police officers were acquitted in the trial for the beating of Rodney King. And L.A., I mean, the riots went on for uh, at least four or five days, maybe a week. Um, And I know people are bracing for that. And you lived in L.A. then, and... There are people here who are down there for a Jazz Clippers series. I mean, there's uh, the Rodney King, the O.J. Simpson trials. Well, there uh, was the no probably... riots in the O.J. Simpson trials. No, it was more Rodney that had everyone. Almost totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I listened to Maxine Waters. She told me to be confrontational. I listened to her. That's what she said. She said to be confrontational. If this thing doesn't go my way, I am going to be confrontational. I'm going to listen to my elected officials because I did live in Los Angeles and I've been around her. So she said to be more confrontational. So that's what I'm going to do. 
All right, NBA's How about on, you? NBA's on the lookout. Uh, I had not heard that. If she, had, oh, if she geez, told me, it's all over Twitter. My, you're a Twitter guy. I will be on Twitter today, and maybe I will get my instructions. Apparently, <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I I can't answer any of those questions. <laughs> it's it's mind blowing sometimes, especially I mean when he comes out and has an MVP year, and um, if they don't want to commit or do whatever they want to do to I don't know, show appreciation or whatever it is for him the next few years. Seems like it'd be a pretty easy and simple move that I would say 100%, if not 99.9% of people would agree with. So I don't know where they can't be worried about a backlash or anything. That is Jordy Nelson, former Packers wide receiver. He was asked, uh, should Aaron Rodgers get an extension? Clearly he believes he should, but PK, we know how this stuff plays out sometimes. Not always. Roethlisberger worked it out and Pittsburgh is going to do another year and Breeze got to the end of his career in New Orleans without moving, but Peyton Manning moved and Tom Brady moved, so that may be Aaron Rodgers' path, as there seems to be some friction there in Green Bay, despite him putting up some staggering numbers this past season and getting him to the NFC title game. I'm surprised you didn't mention your guy, your hero, Joe Montana. Joe Montana! (laughs) Well, we can go back through history, right? I know, but he's your guy. Joe Montana! You, you love that guy. I do. He was awesome. For good reason, too. He yeah. was awesome. But Elway finished. Elway finished in, in Denver. But uh, but you're right. Montana had to move. And you can keep going back. Johnny Unitas had to move from Baltimore to San Diego. That's some weird video, seeing him in a Charger uniform. Well, so it's been happening who, over the decades. Who the Colts would have had, I have no idea. You know, I think part of it, too, is who is your backup? Now, obviously, with uh, Joe Montana, since it's a local connection here, Steve Young Steve was Young. just ready yeah. to go mm-hmm. at a high, high, very high level. And then Brett Favre, ironically, was moved because they felt Aaron Rodgers was ready to go at a high and they, level. They were and right. so clearly, yeah. they were right. So, you know, I guess in Indianapolis with Manning, you can kind of understand well, it. Yeah, I mean, injuries Andrew Luck. curtailed Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck, but he was still a very good quarterback. Right, um, but he was he was the presumptive number one. Yeah. He was as much number one as Lawrence is going to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it uh, uh, two weeks away in the next week? So, yeah, you can see that. I, I wonder what Jordy Nelson would have said if he was Brett Favre's teammate, former teammate. I get the connection here, and so I understand where he's coming from. But you wonder. It's always – it's any time a legend is at the end, it doesn't matter. It has the potential to be messy, right? Look at Krzyzewski at Duke. Where are we going with this thing? 74 years old. How's it going to end? Very rare is it the end where you wave the nets after you cut down the last snippet and go off into the sunset. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady said Monday said uh, Sunday his knee is recovering well from offseason surgery. He's hopeful he'll be able to resume his typical training and participate in a mandatory June minicamp. Lots of players have off-season surgery, and it isn't a big deal. Over 40, it's a knee, you wonder. Could be just a little bit of cartilage, clean out some loose particles, which always makes me cringe. No, <laughs> I think he's like LeBron. He's actually a uh, some type of foreign entity. He's not what really is this? You're human. going Space Jam alien type stuff here? Yeah, I mean, look at LeBron. He shows, he's I mean, a he's got an star. We understand that. But when, when he's healthy, he's so good, and he's got. All these years, all these minutes, he's totally defying everything. And Brady's doing it too, obviously. These guys are just incredible. They're incredible to watch. Men in Black have these two guys on screens. 
They're keeping track of him. They're the only two guys who seem to be uh, really pushing back on Father Time. At such a high, level. high level. Yeah. Others are doing it to a degree, but I mean at the highest level possible. Yep, they are. They're both at the at that championship level. They're both defending Amazing champions. to watch them. I, I love watching both of these guys, LeBron and Tom Brady. Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned, the presumptive top overall draft pick in next week's NFL draft announced that he and his wife, Marissa, will donate $20,000 to charities in Jacksonville, and they hope to be part of your community soon. Jaguar fans purchased a wedding gift for the couple, raised more than $11,000 for him to donate to a charity of his choice. So it seems like the love affair has begun between Northern Florida and their NFL fans and Trevor Lawrence, the presumptive top pick. Yeah, you got to win. And if he wins, and if, if Urban wins, oh my gosh. But you know, <laughs> Right? <laughs> I'm not doubting Urban. I conquer all worlds, including the NFL. Yeah, I, I can't. I just, I cannot, too, I've seen too much, been around this guy, and that's been a long time since we've been around him. Yeah, but, but he I, went I just four believe four. in him so much. Yeah, he went four for four. His hiring at Bowling Green was a win. His hiring at Utah yeah. was a win. Florida got a couple national titles out of him. Ohio State got well, another national title and an undefeated season when they weren't eligible to compete for it. If it's all about winning, it's if urban. You don't mind the baggage that right? goes along with it. If it's just about winning, then sure. He's had three national championship teams and he's had two undefeated teams that didn't get to play for the national title. So that's a lot of winning. A lot of winning. Only Nick Saban can go, eh, I don't know about that. Everybody else has to go, eh, that's a lot of winning. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Good culmination of spring ball. A lot of guys making plays out there. You know, we may have had an injury or two. I'll have to find out come tomorrow what, where we stand with that. But uh, otherwise, it was a, a good spring overall. Got Made a lot of progress. Got a lot of things sorted out. Still have some things to sort out uh, going forward. And that's what fall camp's for. So I think we're in a good place right now. And we'll, uh, you know, we got to get ready for the summer conditioning, which is the next phase, which starts June 1. And that'll be a, a huge part of our success or lack thereof, depending on how we handle that. So that'll be important that we attack that summer conditioning program. There's Kyle Whittingham, Utah and Utah State. Both wrapped up their spring ball. So to get two wrapped up in a spring game, PK, the next big thing, the breakthrough, the 6'4 receiver you fans have dreamed about. A walk-on. A return missionary from San Diego. Devon Vela made a couple of big plays, and he looks the part out of central casting and all that. Or is this the equivalent of uh, a running back running for 150 yards in a spring game, but he's really going to be third or fourth on the depth chart because if you're really good, they don't let you run for 150 yards in a spring game. Uh, receiver a little bit different because you're not getting hit every time you touch the ball or mm-hmm. what have you. So I'm not sure. I, I you know, I, to me, it's different because I get your point uh, on a running back. Uh, you know, if you've got an established running back like Bernard, they've been talking about him being the best in camp, and well, he did virtually nothing on Saturday, right? So what does that mean? You think, oh gosh, now we got this great receiver, but we can't run the ball? I mean, <laughs> probably not. So, uh, you know, he made the great catch down the sideline and Brewer put the ball right on the money and he was 15 to 15. That's that's nice. So you 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 want to see plays being made, but it doesn't necessarily uh, indicate that stardom is in the future. I mean, I had somebody on that very staff a couple of years ago uh, ask me, you going to the spring game? I said, nah, I'm going to St. George golf. 
And he said, good for you, because it's a waste of time. <laughs> in terms of <laughs> Now, what I mean by a waste of time, making long-term definitive evaluations based on what you see. Now, that can go either way. That can mean, like, this is don't, don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Or, hey, he showed something. Let's see what happens when we get to training camp. Let's see what happens when he get to the season. So I'm not entirely blowing it off. I'm just not assigning greatness based on a spring game. You know, I've always thought the spring games, if you're a starter and you're pretty good, you either uh, don't play, barely play. Um, Luke Staley at uh, BYU, when he was really good, they put him in a spring game. And I remember Robbie Bosco said afterwards, yeah. We gave him two carries. Said, "Yeah, Luke can still run in a straight line." So we got him out. Right. And then there's the guys who uh, play. For instance, um, Charlie Brewer played, but he was the only guy who couldn't be hit. You know, and he took right. off running one time. A defensive back reached out and just tapped him on the shoulder pad as he went by. You're like, "Yeah, I was there. I'd have made the play, but I know he can't hit that guy right now." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But, you know, if it, it is a chance if you're, uh, you know, second or third string and you're, well, the, re- you're the redshirt freshman and you're unproven, yeah, go yeah. show us you got something. Although, now you got to do it again and you got to do it again. So if I'm Vele, I'm, I'm jacked. Yeah. I'm going to attack my off-season conditioning and do all the things they tell me because I am 6'4", or 200, whatever he is, and I've got an opportunity uh, to make a mark here because there's positions available. Man, they had two of their better receivers take off. Now, we'll have to see because Kyle has openly spoke about the transfer portal. Yeah. And so they could bring in another two guys who are higher on the depth chart when the games matter and the valuations are real. I don't know that. I don't know who they are. Uh, Remains to be seen what's going to happen there. But if I'm this youngster, I'm excited, and it gets me fired up to make sure I'm doing my workouts and you know, they're not going to be sitting around between now and June 1st. It's just June 1st is the formal time when they all gather and get back on campus and do all that stuff. But get fired up, man. you got an opportunity. There's playing time to be had at that position. And it looks like they've got one of the better quarterbacks they've had since they've been in the Pac-12. And I was talking to somebody the, uh, on Saturday afternoon, and he was saying, oh, so-and-so, I think it was telling me, oh, I think Curry – can uh, be as good as Ty Jordan. I said, oh, you, might, you might want to pump the brakes on that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they've had so many great running backs since I've been in the community, and I don't recall, and I could be wrong because I can't remember these things, but I don't recall anybody looking as good as a freshman as Ty Jordan did. I said, to me, if you're going to win the South, which is the, the, the primary first goal, and then obviously the conference is right there once you accomplish that, I think Brewer is going to be the difference maker. I would look to him, and he looked about as good as he could possibly look as far as I thought. And not that it, he's going to be you know, Andrew Luck at Stanford there, but he did look very good, and so there's reason for optimism when they start going in September. Utah State had their spring game, and uh, you know you got a whole new coaching staff there, but we got old quotes. I don't know if they if everyone packs their own quotes or if the previous coaching staff leaves the old quotes quotes in a box marked marked old quotes. But after it's all over, yeah, the offense made some plays, but then the defense gave some up, and I knew I wasn't going to be happy, and I'm not happy. I've got plenty to be angry with. I mean, that's what happens when you scrimmage yourself. That's why I never scrimmage myself. Good work by you. 
<laughs> and as some teams wrap up spring ball, Weber State begins the playoffs. They did not get a top four seed. They will host Southern Illinois, so they did get a home game. Uh, that's Saturday at 2 o'clock, and then if they win, they'll probably end up on the road playing the, the top seed, South Dakota State, assuming that they don't get upset themselves. It's been a crazy year. you got teams that played five games. you got teams that played 11 games. you got teams yeah. that played no games in the fall. Uh, Southern Illinois played one. Jacksonville State, who got a bye, played four games in the fall, including a couple of uh, bowl subdivision teams, played money games. So it's a, the scheduling's all over the place. It's hard to know how they seeded these teams and if they seeded them right. And, but as Jay Hill said, we're in, and everybody's got to win four games. So go do it. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 2-2 offer. Swung on, belted. High and deep down the right field line, and where will it land? Into the second deck. No doubt about that one for Bryce Harper. Santana delivers, and a hard hit liner deep to left field. That one is going to go up against the wall on one hop. Two runs will score. Bam into second with a double. And the pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, left center field. Back goes Jock Peterson. That ball is gone. Grand slam home run for Guillermo Heredia. So, PK. Yes. So many things happened in baseball this weekend. The series that got the focus and the hype, the world champion Dodgers, the Padres, who spent a lot of money and went and got a lot of pitching to compete with them and got everybody fired up. Dodgers take two out of three, all three games competitive. There were a lot of storylines and a lot of weird things and crazy things and great plays and clutch hits. I don't know how much you want to dive in on this series. Mookie Betts with a diving catch to win the Saturday game. That was that was pretty slick play by him as he gets up and pumps his chest. Where would you like to dive in on that? Or did that just confirm to you that the, the, the Padres are probably a 95 or 100 win team and the Dodgers probably are a 110 win team and they play again this week? So enjoy. Yeah, yeah. That was for an April series, man, for a sport that's dying. I mean, that was just incredible. Friday night. Did you make they, it to the end Friday sold. night? You said you were going to watch and then the thing goes 12 yeah. innings on the West Coast. I was ready for 13. Oh, well, I didn't know. You uh, fell. Remember one of the great, <laughs> great shots in jazz history to beat LeBron, and yeah, you woke up for the replay. Because I, I had to get up the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a weekday. This was a Friday night, obviously. Yeah, that was a, a sensational game, too. Uh, the little bench clearing. I, I decided bench clearing without charging the mound is like students on high school campus at lunch. They're just mingling around. There's nothing to it. There's got to be somebody's got to charge first. That's where the action is. Whether they actually get there, you're Bryce Harper, you charge and you chuck your helmet, but you purposely don't throw it at the pitcher. You throw it to his right a little bit or his left just to scare him. Uh, Those types of things. I mean, Machado, when he was with the Rockies, man, looked like this storming bull he went out there one time. His eyes got so big. And then go, look, I told you that one... uh, in, I think it was in Japan, the American guy chased the guy, and the guy's running in the outfield, running zigzags. It's the funniest thing. Go look at that at YouTube as the, the Japanese pitcher just took off running, and the, the guy chased him. I can't remember his name, but he was uh, most recently the uh, color analyst for the Tigers. Uh, those things, and they had that. And then Mookie Betts with that catch on Saturday. Obviously, it ties the game if he doesn't get there. 
And then they had pretty doggone pit, good pitching yesterday, and then uh, the Padres pulled away. Yeah, that thing had everything you wanted. Absolutely, I could make a strong, strong argument. Those two are not only the two best teams in the NL West, they're the two best teams in the NL, and they're the two best teams in baseball. Well, they got another series. They wrapped that one up, and they got to go right back at it this weekend. They'll switch venues, uh, leave Great. San Diego, go to L.A., and I think this is a four-game series. So, And they sold 15000 was the maximum, and they sold it all three, and they could have literally sold out the stadium all three games. Yep. The Phillies beat the Cardinals 2-zip. Aaron Nola threw a complete game shutout with 10 Ks for Philadelphia. How old school is that? Well, he's a very good pitcher. He's an ace for sure. And that home run by Harper was an absolute bomb. Shane Bieber apparently is going to strike out 10 people every single time he pitches. He's done it four straight starts. I mean, it's a new era. The game has changed. I think it's the first time ever. It it? It is, yeah. It's an MLB record. No one's done it before. And it's a little bit like watching NBA guys break three-point records. It's like, well, it's a new era, and all those records are going to be falling here. They are, but nobody else is doing it in the game either. Right. A nine-game winning streak for Oakland, five-game losing streak for the Yankees. Teams headed in in opposite directions there. And Jay Bruce hangs it up, retires after a rough start, 14th year in the big leagues, three-time All-Star, and he decided he's all done. What is trending is brought to Yankees you by... In, Go ahead. Yankees in last place, so uh, let's keep a watch on the managerial thing. The ghost of George Steinbrenner Boone would have been fired two weeks ago if it would have been if he would still be alive. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Chris Camerani, staff writer for The Athletic, covering Utah football and uh, other stories of interest around the state. He will join us coming up at 8 o'clock, put a wrap on spring ball. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at 9 o'clock. The Jazz, resting guys, left and right. That is the question of the day. We will get to it next. Stay with us. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dwayne Wade has joined the Utah Jazz ownership group. That's a big story, man. I don't want to overstate it, but I think Dwayne Wade is so highly respected around the NBA. He could even influence certain players to maybe think about playing in Utah. Talking about convincing other players to come play in Utah, Dwayne Wade is not only represented by, but also in business with a marketing company, the CAA Agency. There are really two big agencies when it comes to dealing with NBA players, IMG and CAA. It's not the the whole game, but if you're dialed in with certain agencies and agents and that sort of thing, that could be a big deal. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it is time for Hot Takes or Toast. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. So the question of the day, you down with the Jazz resting players down the stretch. This is unusual, PK. I mean, it's familiar territory for the NBA, but unchartered for Jazz fans, at least to this extent. Three All-Stars, none of them playing. Who are these guys? Four rotation guys out? It's weird. It's freaky. Well, obviously Mitchell needs to be out uh, with his situation. Take as long as you need, young fella. Come back. When you come back, you'll be strong and stronger and ready to go. And and uh, so we fully understand that with that injury. Uh, man, it was very, very tense there seeing him being 
helped off the field or court, I should say, aided off there. And you're wondering, okay, what exactly is it? Uh, you know, obviously I didn't know, and they came back and the ankle injury. So if you need 10 games, so be it. What do they have, 15, 16 games left? So uh, 10 games, If that's just a number, round number, obviously. I don't know how many he's going to miss. But we fully understand that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was new school situation there with all that star power over there on the sidelines. I wondered how they were going to handle it, um, and I asked Mike Conley about it after the game Friday because obviously they haven't been playing him in back-to-backs with one exception when they did. And with Mitchell out, they can handle If Mitchell, Joe Ingles, or Conley is out, they've shown that with any one of them out, if the other two are playing, they can win the game. The record's really good, missing one of them. But we haven't seen him without two of them. And Mike was like, yeah, this is uncharted territory. He didn't. I, I mean, maybe he knew what they were going to do and he just didn't want to say, but it did kind of feel like it was too quick after the game that they hadn't nailed it down yet. But once they sat him, which I think is the right call, you can't afford. If, if his hamstrings can't do back-to-back games, they cannot afford to lose him, especially this late in the season. So Donovan had to be out. If, um, if that's what it takes to keep Mike Conley healthy for the playoffs, then to me it's a no-brainer. And... I wondered how they were going to rest Donovan and Gobert. This injury is going to take care of rest for Donovan. And so with Gobert, I think it just seemed like, well, as long as we're this far down the road, why not? And it really does seem like that's what it is because now he's listed as probable and so is Conley tonight. So You think it's a why not? That seems pretty flippant. Why not? Yeah. Because I think if that had been a playoff game, he would have played. He could have played. Obviously. Right. But when they list a guy out for an injury, is it is it bad and they're not telling us how big a problem is? I think the favor stuff, I think favors throughout this season. There are times to me that he's looked really good, and there are times when he's played below the rim. And I, when I see too much of that, I think, is his back acting, acting up? Is his knee? He's had problems with them over his career. And there are the times he looks better, and you're like, hmm. Did he get a pain-killing shot? What, I mean, what happened? You know, because all of a sudden he's playing above the rim again. And he hasn't been able to figure it out, and it's not stuff that they like to go into at all. But with him resting now, I figure that this stuff's been acting up. And Quinn kind of alluded to it without spelling out exactly what it is. Mm, that doesn't bode well for the postseason, then, if you want to win a title, because you're playing for two months. And so then you're going to have to rest him in the postseason, too, or he's going to be severely hampered. And compromised. I, I have yeah, my I question really marks about. about now. I, I have my question marks about his health and how he plays, and there there are games he and maybe it's just how he feels. I don't. It late in his career, and he's had. I don't know. I I, I can't put my finger on it yet. Years old. But he looks. It, he just looks like in stretches where he's playing below the rim and he's not feeling good. All right, but he's also playing only 15 minutes a game. That's true. I'm not going to stress over and, that. And that could even so. go down to 10 or 12 in the playoffs. You're not playing yeah. many back to backs, if at all. And Gobert can play more minutes, right? So they can, and he's been good in what he's what they've asked him to do. I said nobody understands his role better in the NBA than Derek Favors, but if he's hurt, then uh, okay. Well, sucks for him and the team, but so the games go on. Yeah, so, nobody cares about your problems. A way to win without him, if that's the case. I, I just can't believe they. Oh well, we got a game, and these other guys are resting. So why not? And that, that's not a good enough reason for me to rescue Bear. There's got to be strategic reasons behind it. They've got to have information 
and it's got to be detailed. It's not, well, let's flip a coin. Oh, well, these other guys are out. Yeah, okay, yeah. What, what do you think? Oh, let's sit down, too. Sure, everybody in? Yeah, all right. Let's, let's go get something to eat. No, I don't accept that at all. I mean, uh, the ghosts of the statues, and they're howling. If, if yeah. That's oh, I agree. I, I agree. But I, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think. I they think. Have, I think they have it planned out, and there's deep reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Not well, just because today's Saturday. Sure, let's sit them out. Yeah. Okay. I think they were looking for an opportunity to rest them, and the opportunity presented itself. And if I if think it's planned, they've known all along. They've known for weeks and months that this schedule was going to be what it was. He's played a bunch of other back-to-backs. He's played a bunch of other three games in four days. I really did feel like it was triggered that Conley's out also, so this is our chance. They were looking for an opportunity, and they were going to do it at well, some what, point, I think. And this is what I think. I can't prove why it. They, why, why were they looking for an opportunity? Because he's played they every they game. and he's They don't got need some, an excuse? He's, he's played every game. He's got some nicks. And... Uh, but I don't think they need an excuse. They don't need a reason beyond we want to rest him. That's that's the reason. They don't need – I would think it would be absolutely opposite. Hey, these other guys are out. We need this guy more than ever now, in my mind. Not, well, these other guys are out, so that, let's have him be out that, too. That is one line of thinking, certainly. And in a game that close, it could have made the difference. But Quinn has also said he wants – that for them to be good – They've got to have all these guys, he always uses the phrase, connected. And so it's hard to get that if it's a different guy missing every game. So well, I think, Why not have uh, these guys play with other guys that you don't have in case you need them in the postseason? That is I another mean, I, line I, of thinking. Any argument you have, I can just volley back at you. You, you do. It's, it's true. I'm just telling you, one. that's the one Quinn presented after the game. Now, maybe he was just putting the best spin on it. I mean, it's not like we get told one hundred percent of the truth, does. right? Exactly. <laughs> they're no different in that regard. They're they're spinning a, a line of thinking, and everyone does it. And every press conference, they do that. That's just the, that's the way it is. Then you're going to get spin, and once you introduce human beings, there's going to be bias and spin. I've got yep. bias and spin. Everybody does. Everybody's so, got their priorities and goals to take care yeah. of. Let's not focus yeah, on this. To, Let's focus on that. To me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, who who was it? Uh, somebody asked some somebody on something. I can't even remember. <laughs> somebody made a bad play. Well, it's it's the collective group. You can count on Quinn Snyder. Single out somebody who played poorly and blew something. Well, it's the collective group. And not Quinn Snyder. Every coach who's ever been born yeah. is going to say, like, we played the thing on Stan Van Gundy. We had uh, multiple mistakes on that. I mean, we know how, they going to, how they're going to answer questions. Go ask Kyle Whittingham, hey, are you going to change things up in your practice routine this week? You know what he's going to say every time. Nope, we do the same, blah, 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 blah. Uh, even though when they used to play BYU, they'd cut off media access two days early. They change it. But they say they don't change it. But yet they do change it, but they'll never say we do change it because that sends the wrong message. You're always in spin mode there. To me, all this stuff, you can do whatever you want. You can dress whoever you want, whatever you want, however you want. I really don't care because it'll come to pass. Did you win four games against Team XYZ in the postseason? That's all that matters. Whatever your seed is, none of that matters when you get to the postseason. Now, if you happen to, be, if you believe that they need home court, then you're 
probably upset and that they did yep. what they did. And I'm, that's, look, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Tad posted on Facebook. Are you down with this? No, not with the race for the top seed so tight. We got lucky the Suns lost tonight. I know PK's always ranting about how if you're good, you shouldn't worry about home court, but I disagree. Let's get that number one spot and go from there. And who said that? Tad. Okay, Tad. Well, you mean your opinion is just as valid as mine, even if you're wrong, but uh, it's still valid. So, yeah, if, he th- if that's what he thinks, then he has absolutely every right to think that way. And for him, he believes that that's important. And that's fine. Go ahead and think that if you think that that's a big, big difference maker. But to me, if the Jazz do what they do, I'm fine with whatever they do. Because in the postseason, that's, we're now just a few weeks away, and that's what matters the most. And if they're winning and getting to the conference final, and they're up 2-1, to one, they've got home court, and it doesn't matter what happened on April uh, 17th. So none, none of that matters. It's all then. That matters. And so we'll get to that point. We're going to get to that point. I don't know if they'll be up two games to one in the Western Conference Finals, but I mean we'll get to the point where it's a pre- the postseason and everybody who's available is playing. And obviously uh, Gobert would be playing on that and Mike Conley would be playing and all that stuff. And, and you don't have back-to-backs. I believe they've done away with those things in the postseason now. So you don't have to worry about that. And, and even if you did, the other team's on the exact same schedule also. So it all flushes out. That's where we're at at this point. And I'm not so caught up in any individual game. But if Tad is, and he believes the Jazz need that number one seed, and that's a huge deal. I mean, it's a great accomplishment. But is it a huge difference maker? That's what I will debate. Any team that gets a number one seed in the conference and in the league has had a great regular season, obviously. We'd all agree with that 100%. What does it mean when we get to the postseason? You know, that's the debate. But the fact is they're going to get to the postseason, and if they win 16 games in a postseason, then who cares who they rested when they rested them? All right, DJ and PK, we got a lot more people weighing in. We will get you your feedback next. Utah Spring Football with Chris Camrani from The Athletic in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision to Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Got a ton of people weighing in on the Jazz. Sitting four rotation guys, three starters, three all-stars against the Lakers. I think only one of them is true rest. But you can't just say, only Rudy Gobert. (laughs) It's kind of a big deal. Uh, Rick says, I'm not down with it if we lose like we did today. Must have posted that Saturday night after the Jazz got beat. So, yeah, resting's great as long as we win. That's actually a great response, Rick. <laughs> I'm all for resting if you keep picking up W's. Steve says, why not? We've never done that before. Let's give it a go and see if it works. I have my doubts if it works, but I don't have any research or any studying on this. I am not have no background or training in medicine whatsoever or physical conditioning. So I'm just popping off just because I have a microphone and I'm able to do it. And I, I just wonder, you know, what's the cumulative effect? Does it really make a difference for somebody like a Rudy Gobert who's 27 years of age uh, and in the prime of his physical 
conditioning life, really. To me, I wonder, does it, does it really, really matter? Uh, I don't know. But they think it does, or maybe they think it does, or they're thinking, well, we're not sure, but we're going we're gonna to play the odds. I mean, they don't talk about it extensively, uh, so so be it. Uh, I, I thought, wow, this sucks as a consumer, you know, get ready to watch this game that mm-hmm. they slotted for national television and all that stuff. And then it turned out to be a whale of a game. <laughs> I, I thought the exact same thing. I was sitting there second quarter like, I'm kind of having problems getting into that. I mean, that was crazy watching uh, Ilya Sova hit the five threes. But the, the more I watched, the more I got drawn into it. And by the time I got late third, early fourth quarter, I was completely absorbed and not at all thinking at all about all the guys who weren't playing. Well, that's what I've said for years for me. Why I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports fan for the competition, and I've said this. It doesn't matter gender. It doesn't matter level. If two teams are bowling out and trying their very best to win, I that's good enough for me. This was a classic example. There's five All-Stars not playing, but in the moment as I'm watching the game, it doesn't matter. It, that's irrelevant. It's competition. These guys playing their hardest to try to win and try to beat you, vice versa. That's all I need. That's why I said when I used to work for the Watchdog was in Vegas, I had no problem sitting in the Thomas and Mac and watching the women play because it was in the conference tournament, and they're giving everything they have. If it required you to dive five feet on the floor, they would do it just as well as the men or anybody else would because it really, really matters. When If you would have had the a bunch of all-stars like an all-star game and are just going through the motions there. Well, I mean, I got everybody on the floor as an all-star, obviously, by definition. But if they're not competing as hard as they can, and I understand why they wouldn't be, that's why I'm not as interested. It's, it, But if you are, it, I'm turned on and turned in and tuned in, and I can have no problem. And that ended up being a great game to watch. And if I would have paid and not have those players but I don't know what they're doing as far as paying for the Lakers in California, whatever. I'm not sure what's going on there. They've just uh, so, barely started letting fans back yeah. in. I, I think they said during the game that was the second game they went to. Maybe it was the third. Yeah, and I think it's like yeah. a, a thousand people or what have you. You know, if I paid money and I wanted to see those players, but I'm sophisticated enough to know that in April, if I'm paying money to go see an NBA game, I need to watch it. I need to I need to be very, very careful about that because there's a chance that they – they may not play. I know baseball. You know, Mike Trout, I only get to see him four at-bats. Yeah, that's a whole lot better than somebody sitting over there getting zero shot attempts because they're not playing. Uh, so uh, that's the nature of the NBA. So so be it there. But if this is what they want to do and they believe it's going to help them, I'm not going to say they're wrong because we get to evaluate it in the end. That's the great thing about it. We don't have to worry about well, if they did this, if they did that, what have you, we all get to see on display in the postseason. That's when it matters. And there's no excuses. Did you win or did you lose? This is pro sports, and it's winning. You can get Dwayne Wade in there. You can get whoever you want in there. Fine. Do all that. But you got to win. And in the end, that's how you're going to be evaluated by winning you spoke about urban meyer and how he's won yeah he had 30 some guys arrested at florida you didn't even bring that up and 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 what they had with the domestic abuse at ohio state you didn't bring that up all you did was bring up his winning that's where we're at brian says isn't there like a week between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs there will be for them yeah there will be for the jazz exactly 
The, the season is going to end on the weekend, uh, mostly Sunday. There may be a few teams in on Saturday, but mostly Sunday. And they're going to have that play-in tournament, and the Jazz, uh, we haven't seen it, but we assume, because they're going to be getting teams out of those play-in tournaments, that they aren't going to play until Sunday. So, yeah, there's, there's going to be a week. And that's why, you know, there was, you know, the assumption in the question is the rest. But for the five All-Stars in this game, three of them are definitely hurt. Maybe you have some opinions. Are the Lakers, you know, being ultra careful, stretching it out? Has injury turned into rest? I guess you can make that argument. I think Conley's missed enough back-to-backs that it may be precautionary, but they just don't feel like they can mess around with it. And I think favors is pretty clearly injury, not rest. I mean, the rest may help with his injury, if you want to make that argument. So I think the only guy who was truly rested was Rudy. Okay, fine. When we come back, Chris Camrani, staff writer for The Athletic, covering Utah football, the spring game, where the team goes from here. We will talk with Chris next. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Time to welcome in Chris Camrani, staff writer for The Athletic, covering Utah football and much more around the state. Chris, good morning. Happy Monday, guys. Happy, happy, happy. Hey, i got to pull the curtain back here a little bit. Are you ready? I'm one, ready, one thing for the audience, one thing for you. Okay. I've done it after possibly borrowing somebody's password for a while. I've just gone ahead and paid for the athletics. So thanks for you and some of your compatriots for writing enough stuff that now, along with a bunch of streaming services and cable companies and websites, it's more expensive than ever to be a sports fan. Thanks for that, Chris. Good work by you. Well, I want to know who's more of a cord cutter, you or your kids? Oh, my kids. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, and then second, I think, for our audience, uh, I, I texted you this once, and I don't yep. even remember what avail it's on because with everything on Zoom, and I know that Utah football is your primary, primary responsibility, but there are lots of other things that you've written about, and I've seen you pop up on these calls that you're lurking. And I decided that the analogy for you, PK's taught me that if, if you don't have similes and metaphors, you got no yeah. chance to make it in sports media. you got to have your similes and your metaphors. And for you, you're like an old-time prospector. You never know when you walk up some stream in whatever canyon to find the gold or silver in days, days gone by where Chris Camrani will have pitched a tent and be working it. You're everywhere, Chris. Love the work ethic. I think I speak for PK on that, too, although we can let him speak for himself. <laughs> well, as long as you guys hold me in the regard of being a lonely hermit who might be potentially striking gold every once in a while, I will take that and I'll run with it. I tried to avoid lonely hermit, but you got the gist. <laughs> I appreciate that, guys. I'm wondering if Lonely Hermit is an oxymoron. Uh, <laughs> Lonely Hermit sounds like a great band name. Yeah. <laughs> the Lonely Hermits are playing tonight. All right. I do know that Chris interviewed an expert on BYU football last week and gave him everything that he needed to know about the Cougars. He did. And, and uh, so he'll publish that. When's that being published for BYU fans? Uh, it should be later on this week, Friday or Saturday. Did you talk to Friday Steve Young or Pat Kinahan? Uh, <laughs> talk to Jake Hatch, actually. 
We did have a conversation about BYU, so he's doing some BYU stuff, so I throw that out there for the Cougar fans, The Athletic, a great website. hope it continues to succeed. It means jobs, and jobs are important. And my friends have jobs, and I like to see them employed. Even my enemies I want to see employed. never want to see anybody unemployed, that's for sure. It's too serious. So I want to, I want to know who your enemies are. Oh, okay. we, it's only a four-hour show, dude. Come on. Oh, well, everybody at Channel 2. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Adam. <laughs> he, I hate him. <laughs> best, best two falls out of three. They, they grapple. They wrestle all the time. All right, let's get right to it. The spring game here for, uh, for Utah. Uh, were there any surprises in it? I think that's kind of hard for it to happen, but maybe Devon Vele, uh, are we reading too much into it because we're wishing something to happen? We want it to happen. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. I, I think, um, and I told this to PK last week when we spoke, I think the excitement and the um, oversimplification of something as mundane as a spring game is not a bad thing. I think that means that our community is healing. It means that we've done a, a pretty good job in the last few months of, of handling the virus. And we are, if you look at things from a national perspective, probably as high up as you can get in terms of vaccinations rolling out and people taking them. So I think when I look at the spring game, I don't necessarily look at Charlie Brewer's 15 for 15 against Utah's two-and-a-half-string defense. I think of the fact that the community is going in the right direction, and it's a win for the the folks who are Utah fans, and it's a win for the people of this state. Um, I think I would be lying to you and all of your listeners if I pretended to know um, what is being taken out of the spring game outside of, yeah, sure, Devon Bailey had some great catches, and Solomon Enos looked to have some good rapport with Charlie Brewer, but outside of that, guys, I mean, I think we have to put this thing into context into what it is. It's, it's a fun scrimmage that allows uh, the program to, um, you know, hit that next milestone in terms of getting ready for a normal college football season. And that's basically all it is to me. And that, that might be, I don't know, harsh in some circles, but the reality is, is I think it's just a win for um, what we're hoping to have transpire this fall, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm wondering, and obviously what we're hoping from the Utah perspective and their fans is to be in contention again deep into November on a regular uh, format of a season that begins in September and the conference season closes at Thanksgiving weekend and all that stuff, and then you have the the title game. So I'm wondering if last – can't really call it a season, but last five games combined with – the uh, spring practice where they got in all 15. That's the great storyline is they actually got in all 15. I don't really care what happened there, but the fact that all these teams and speaking of those who stay in the pac 12, as far as I know, they got in all their 15 allotted practices and then they'll go and do the training and the formal training, as Kyle says, starts June 1st. And then they've got the training camp and they're going to get 20 some practices and three non-conference games do all that stuff. Now we've already got that partial in the book. It's already happened. And assuming we get the rest of it, does all that stuff put this team, which lost so many guys 
to the draft a year ago put them in contention, do you believe, to contend for the South next season? I think it's always going to uh, rest on the development and the potential of the quarterback position. I know it's a broken record, and it has been for a decade, but when you look at the makeup of these Utah teams since they entered the Pac-12, the one uh, position that has basically held this team back has been the lack of elite quarterback play. And I think you can argue that Utah has only had one quarterback since entering the Pac-12 in 2011 in Tyler Huntley, who played at an elite level that was able to go out and single-handedly keep them in games and win them games. If you're going to get to, I guess not, we're not going to Santa Clara anymore. We're going to Vegas. If you're going to go to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game, and if you're going to win and potentially go to a Rose Bowl, you have to have elite quarterback play. And that is uh, the, the tale of the truth for a very long time. I think it's very rare. Um, I mean, look at Alabama, guys. I mean, Nick Saban eventually said, yeah, I can't run a running back 35 times and hope to win a game 13-10 to 10 anymore. I have to go nuts and turn it loose. Sooner or later, Utah's offense is going to have to shoulder the load because, as we saw last year, the defense, more often than not, is always going to be able to hold up its end of the bargain. And um, that defense lost a lot of guys in 2019 to the draft, and they look like they're, they're ready to reload and, and be able to shoulder the load again. But for me, it's always going to come back to quarterback play. Can Charlie Brewer, can Cam Rising get these guys to, to Las Vegas? And if so, can they take them even further? The soon-to-be ex-commissioner takes a lot of heat for a lot of things, and I think he deserves most of it, but... Got to give him credit for moving from Santa Clara to Las Vegas. Had to wait for the stadium to get done. It feels like this is going to be a win for the conference. As far as your point about the quarterback play, uh, the only thing I would add is don't let the wide receivers off the hook totally. Uh, It's not a 50-50 split probably, um, but I do feel like they're part of the issue. But do you feel like that is getting solved now? I mean, we haven't seen someone – with Charlie Brewer's credentials, stats, and experience at the helm with the possible exception of Tyler Huntley, and they won 11 games when they had that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I don't know. We, it's uh, remained to be seen TBD on the, on the receivers. It's an incredibly top-heavy group. When you lose guys like uh, Brian Thompson to PK's Devils, you lose Samson Nakua to an arch rival, albeit that's you know more of a, you know, due to family matters, but this this is another part of the Utah program that I think has held them back from reaching. I mean, we've we've seen them get to the championship game. We've seen them win divisional titles. But getting over the hump is is another thing. And I think you can argue, I, I don't know. I don't want to use that Washington game in 2018 because it was so silly. It was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. I want to throw that out. But that Oregon game in 2019, you could just tell that the difference makers on the outside on both sides of the ball – we're on a different level for Oregon. And Utah has to figure out how to put together skill position players, elite skill position players on both sides of the ball in the same year to allow them to reach that pinnacle. So since we don't build up or make definitive conclusions, and I got that right from a staff member a few years back at Utah as far as what you see in the spring train or spring game, but nevertheless I'm wondering, can they show video 
of Charlie Boer throwing the ball, completing all 15 passes to prospective transfer portal receivers because Kyle mm-hmm. has spoken about wanting to get that. So can they use that as a recruiting tool to draw in somebody who can be at least very good, if not a difference maker, out on the field at the receiver slots in the fall? I would say uh, pull up a YouTube compilation of Charlie Brewer amassing over 10,000 yards of total offense at Baylor instead of uh, two fake quarters of a scrimmage game. I understand that, uh, you know, it it might be sexy to say, like, look what Charlie can do in our offense. But Charlie Brewer amassed 10,000 yards of total offense in Baylor as a four-year starter, guys. That Not many quarterbacks are able to do that. So if Utah was to go that route, I would say this is what this guy can do. And maybe here are some uh, supplemental clips of what he did in the spring game. But there isn't a lack of evidence of Charlie Brewer's skill set in the right offense because the, the stats speak for themselves. You know, I think that all of that stuff gets compiled and all of that stuff gets linked to social media and all the transfers see it if they're doing their homework. I can't guarantee that all the transfers do their homework, but uh, any con- any contact you have with them, even if it's third-party contact, it seems like these days all that stuff is out there, and if transfers don't know that stuff, that is on them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Again, this is the kind of the final frontier, I think. I think you can argue that the, the building of depth and skill at the wide receiver position at Utah is probably more of a final frontier than the quarterback spot. And I know it doesn't always need to be Oregon deep or SC deep. I understand that. But sooner or later, you're going to need a couple of alphas. And I feel like I've said this on the show with you guys ad nauseum in the last few years, but it's the truth. You're going to need guys outside of Britton Covey who can go out and demand the ball. And by demanding the ball, I mean getting open. I mean showing that you're a liable go-to receiver against elite defensive backs. This is going to be something that Utah has to do with new wide receivers coach Chad Bumpfus to help get them to that next level. Running back position, I'm wondering if it's going to be like last season in that they went in, and last season was so screwy, so I even hesitate to draw any comparisons, but they went into the season thinking there was somewhat of a depth chart, and then it just flipped and on just a handful of carries by the late great Ty Jordan in the USC game. How much do you think they'll use the early part of the season, which hopefully is the non-conference games, to sort out the depth chart at running back? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, the the staff was always high on Makai Bernard. I mean, going even back to 2019, guys, where you can argue that was the most talented Pac-12 era Utah team has ever been, coaches and players were talking about Makai Bernard as a true freshman 17-year-old kid, as a, as a guy to watch out for in the future. So it's not that surprising that he's been able to develop and currently establish himself as kind of the pseudo number one in that running backs room. But um, I mean, I think for me, selfishly, the one of the best people to hear from on subjects like this is Kyle McDonald, because he doesn't make any bones about it. He said the best player is always going to play. We don't care what your accolades were before you came here in high school or your previous school, the best player will play. And we've seen that, you know, um, with, with Ty's emergence last year. And I know they add, you know, TJ Pledger and Chris Curry, but, I don't know. There, there are just some things when you've been around a program long enough, like, like we have, it's like, it just seems kind of fitting that 
Utah would go to the portal to get a couple former four-star guys from these really prestigious fellow Power 5 schools only to have the three-star kid who's been in your program for the last two years just develop and become the next star player. So I guess the elephant in the room then is Kyle Whittingham. And really it's it's Kyle's mindset. And PK and I have gone around and around on this. And, you know, until we see the games, I think we'll just continue to go around and around because everything seems possible. But I guess my question to you is, what is most likely with Kyle's mindset? Because I personally don't think Kyle, although he always valued turnovers and takeaways and hated the giveaways, uh, I felt like it really got burned into his psyche when he had back-to-back five and seven seasons. It was clear that he had one season to keep his job. It was clear his assistants weren't getting contract extensions in case he had to be let go and the whole staff had to be let go. And that, that's a pretty scarring ex- experience. And since then, man, protect the ball. You know, he was losing game. He had a five and seven season because they turned it over six times. They should have beaten UCLA. They turned it over six times, then they lost. But when he had Brian Johnson, and Brian Johnson, and I know it was Mountain West, it was a different level, but he wasn't worried about Brian turning the ball over. They could push it down the field, and they could make big plays, and he could stomach that. It doesn't seem like he can really stomach it since then. Do you think Charlie Brewer will, uh, will be the Tums that quiets his system <laughs> and enables them to push the ball down the field? Because he's going to look at those stats that you were talking about, the body of work from two years ago. He threw seven picks. Well, in a what's going to turn out to be 12, but maybe a 13 or 14 game season, 15, PK will say, uh, seven picks, that's a pick every other game. Kyle can live with that. Can't he? Will we get to that point? Will it look different? Help me. I like I like the analogy of the antacid for for Kyle Whittingham. That's 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 pretty befitting. Um, it's it's all about style, guys, and it is about protecting the ball, and it is about establishing who you want to be as a program. And I think Kyle wants to be able to control everything in terms of the clock, um, uh, position, field battles, all this stuff, and that makes sense because if you do that the odds are always going to be in your favor, but there's going to come a time when you have to be willing to go out on a limb and take the sort of risks that are necessary to, you know, win really tight games. And, and I think Kyle has proven that. I mean, I don't know how many other coaches in college football go for it on fourth and three or less than Kyle Whittingham does, regardless of the uh, position on the field that the youths are in every season. But um yeah, I mean, again, this is all interconnected to what this Utah program needs to develop and become. I, I do think, guys, I do think going back to 2019, it would have behooved that team to be in tighter games because they were so dominant early on that they were just able to give Zach the ball 25 times and be comfortable by the end of the third quarter, it would have been good to have that team kind of have to turn it loose and have Tyler go out and win some games on his own early on in that season. And I think sooner or later, Kyle and his staff knows that if you're going to be in contention in the Pac-12 South, if you're going to win the Pac-12, you got to get a quarterback that's going to take risks and take chances. And yeah, I understand the uh, the fear of, of turnovers and losing games that way. I mean, there was, like you mentioned, DJ, there was a time where Utah should have won a bunch of games where there was, I think there was that Oregon State game one time at Rice-Eccles where 
Travis Wilson had like five or six picks or something. There, there are games that Utah fans have burned into their memory that, that should have been wins. But I think we're past that. I just think like the next evolution of this Utah program has to be, to your point, kind of just giving the right quarterback the keys to the car and letting him put the foot on the pedal. There he is, Chris Camerani, the Lonely Hermit, which is brought to you by the Department of Redundancy Department. But nonetheless, the Lonely Hermit. All right, we're looking forward to a BYU piece sent on The Athletic. You want to give us just a hint about what's going on? Just a little just a little taste, something tantalizing. What oh, are you, no, what it, are you chasing? So, so the, the Athletic has a breakdown of all of the major college football programs across the country every year. Called It's a series called State of the Program, mm-hmm. and Basically, you're asked to dive into the nitty-gritty of the last few years and kind of the current roster projections of, of each program going into the 2021 season and go you know, position by position and recruiting and schedule analysis, all of that stuff, all the type of things that fans love to read and, and the kind of thing that I definitely need to rely on the experts to help write. So it's not that hard to put two and two together as to why I called somebody last week. <laughs> All right. Well, one day, now that The Athletic has subscription money from people like me, one day they'll probably hire a BYU person and someone to share the load with you on that, that front in the state. They, they, got a, they got the Jazz covered and they got the Utes covered. It seems like that's next. In the meantime, you, yeah. can, you can do a little more, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm a lonely hermit, so I, the, the, <laughs> the less competition, the less uh, people in my periphery, the better. You guys know that. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Chris Camerani, The Athletic. You can check him out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up at 9 o'clock. Jazz update next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Matt Harper, kind enough to join us. I would never sacrifice health. I mean, if, if someone's legit injured, I would say, yeah, you don't want to get injured more. However, if you're at the nagging stage and you can push through, you're at the one seed and you can protect it, you got to go for it. I mean, this doesn't happen often. This is what you work for, and when you have it and you see it, you got to maintain it because it's a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to those home court throughout. And then for the Jazz, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of guys that have played in a lot of tough playoff games, and they didn't go far last year in the playoffs. They should be ready for this grind here coming up. They're a young team. You know, to me, you go for it. You maintain that one spot, and I think it's crucial to have that going into the playoffs. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Utah Jazz and the Lakers playing for the second time in three days. They are on ESPN again tonight. The game tips off at 8 o'clock. The Zones coverage will begin at 7 o'clock with Jazz Game Night, the pregame show. This game's going to look a little different than Saturday's game, which was entertaining, went to overtime as a thriller and all that. Donovan Mitchell is out. Ilya Sova and Favors are questionable. However, Gobert and Conley are probable for tonight's game. So the Jazz get two All-Stars back, get two starters back. That is going to 
put a little different spin on this game and change the matchups. There is your Jazz update. Now, back to the Utah Jazz. DJ and PK 24-7 on Twitter. Now listen up. Listen up. At David DJ James and at PK Kinahan. That's just how we roll. You're locked on to DJ and PK on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. PK, are you getting sick of big news breaking at BYU and at the Utah Jazz at about 10.08 in the morning? No. I am. I'm not. I don't need it. Let's get some 808 breaking news. We're good I enough. Li- I know, but I like the adrenaline rush of Yacht going, we got breaking news. Adrenaline rush. What's going on? I never not have an adrenaline rush. 10.08, it's Yacht coming down the hallway. Did you see Dwayne Wade just bought part of the team? Good for a hot, good for hands and Scotty. <laughs> On the very week that I wrote about Donovan Mitchell being like Dwayne Wade, there it is. Not the and Dwayne person. Wade said in himself. Yep, he talked about it. He was yeah. on halftime of the Jazz game. Okay, well, what does this mean? Because doesn't he have to divorce himself from TNT to be actively involved? I believe that that will happen. I don't know how quickly it has to happen. He is on their Tuesday crew, sitting in Barkley's seat. And so whether he'll finish the end of the year or not, they announced it. I don't know when it's official. I don't know how much you can play with that. I don't think the NBA likes to crush its TV partners. I don't know if they've got somebody warmed up to go into that chair. I think Reggie Miller would be awesome if they just want to put him in there. He'd go right at Shaq. It would be entertaining. But, yeah, I think by next season he'll certainly be gone. Whether he'll be gone tomorrow night, I don't know. Wow, I don't know that I know that. I think I, I do think that that um, yeah I think that'll happen. I can't guarantee okay. it. I don't to say I know it. I expect it. I don't know it, but I do expect it. Okay, I, I I'm sort of insulted that like now he's going to make the difference. What about all the great things that the Jazz have done as a franchise and as an organization? No, I'm not saying don't bring him along and and he can't help. But to me, it's a little bit insulting that, man, they have been such a stellar ownership organization for so long, and they have so much to offer that the players wouldn't consider this before. Now, bring him along. Absolutely. He can help. I, I, and if he can help, that's great. I get I'm that. not discounting I, that. I get that take, but you I, – I, and I do – I do get that take, and it shouldn't be dismissed. And I'm not just talking about the current regime. You know, there are previous regimes, whether, whether it's the Millers having full ownership or going back to years. Kevin O'Connor yeah. uh, when he was running the show, to go back to Scott and to Frank Layden and to Jerry Sloan. We have been fortunate here. A lot of good people have come through. They have done good work. It is much easier and much more fun to cover a winner than it is a loser. And there have been down times, and we've had to get through those. But those down times have largely been minimized. So, yes to all of that. However, there is also this strength. We know that there have been problems and stresses all along in this organization, regardless of the owner, regardless of the GM, regardless of the coach. There is a label this town has to wear. The state has to wear, and that isn't going away. But I do think we all know Dwayne Wade can mitigate it somewhat. 
And it sure. doesn't yeah. mean Great. that we're done with the you go live in Utah storyline. But it's a little harder to sell when you got Dwayne Wade pushing back on it. There's never been someone like Dwayne Wade. This guy is going to be, he's got a level of charisma, a level of cool, a level of just a, a wow Jazz star cool factor now. that that even Stockton alone, first ballot Hall of Famers, didn't have what Wade has. And he's got the credibility bringing in from outside the market. Great. And it's just, it's different. And I still don't think, you know, to your point, there's already been a lot of good work done. And I don't think he's going to end the problems. He's not going to land every big free agent that Jazz fans wish he would land. But just to have him, uh, you know, pushing back against whatever the next thing is that comes up, how can that be a bad thing? <laughs> he's, it's not. It's not a bad thing. No one's saying it's a bad way. thing. Right. Exactly. At no point. No, please, please, please. At no point did I say it was a bad thing. And but I'm sort of insulting. frightened that you even bring that up. Well, that don't, don't, don't attach Dwayne Wayne and bad thing to me. Right. Because at no point am I saying that. I just want to credit all the great work that's been done. And and I think okay. it's insulting I, to the player out there. Well, they got Dwayne Wade. I'm in. Well, <laughs> The, the, the player needs to, to do his research with his family and his agency and all that stuff. And that I think it's insulting to the player. Well, they got Dwayne Wade now, so I'm in. It's, yeah, it's, so there's way more to it than that. Totally agree with that. And number one, I don't think every player's going to be in because Dwayne Wade is here. Man, playing time still matters. Money still matters. The right market where your family is matters. The mega market with sizzle still matters. And Dwayne Wade can't change any of that. Yeah, to some. And and largely, you know, it mattered to LeBron and Durant. And whoever the next LeBron and Durant are 5, 10, 15 years down the line, it'll probably matter to them. A lot of it doesn't change. Did Durant go to Oakland because of the players that they have, not because it's the Bay Area? Yeah. Oh, you're right. And the Bay Area sucked for 15 years, and that's a great example. I think the Bay Area in Atlanta, for all the stereotypes about why players go somewhere and why African-American players want to go somewhere, well, they should have wanted to go to Atlanta and, and Oakland well, for decades. Well, no one's running to New York. Didn't. Yeah. Oh, right. They go to Brooklyn, but they aren't going to the Knicks. Not doing it. Nope. Nope. Not doing yeah. it. I, I just think that um, for what ails the Jazz, and you're right, there are all these good things over here, but for what ails the Jazz over here... Dwayne Wade will be a partial antidote. Absolutely. And that's why that, it was awesome that it happened. And that's why people are geeked up. And I think the other thing, to build on what you said, as opposed to me going negative, is that I would say for all these people who've come before, would Dwayne Wade have come if not for that? Not for what? All the good things people have done before. I mean, he's coming to an organization that's got a certain level of success. He's looking. He's a classic example of what you've always talked about. Leverage your athletic career. It doesn't last that long. No. If you get 10 years in the NBA, I don't care if you're on the bench. That's hard to do, right? And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You got yes. it. Baseball, you have to be out five years. Basketball, you only have to be out four. Well, he has served two of the four years. Yeah, he's, he's in, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, in two years, he'll be a first battle Hall of Famer. Sure. Who doesn't think that? I think that? he's coming because of his relationship with Ryan Smith. Great. Right. Yeah. So and this fine. is way right. – I think they both made it clear. You didn't have to read that far between the they lines. Said they said – didn't he say he met it on a golf course? They met on a golf course well, in I'm San – Well, I'm sure it wasn't your local, San, local muni. San Clemente. Maybe for, it was. For people who don't know San Clemente – 
a few oohs and ahs for San Clemente, north of San Diego, the the very south end of Orange County. I think everybody knows it. That's a nice chunk in of our area. Sure. And th- I think it's rela- relationships matter. Yep. And that's why bringing Dwayne Wade on is going to do nothing but help. It won't hurt under any circumstance. Absolutely not. Relationships matter. But it's up to the individual to see what he wants. You know, they brought in John Stockton to talk to Gordon Hayward about a legacy yep. of one team. Yep. Well, they he did. didn't listen. Nope. Not at all. And now he's buried in Charlotte, going nowhere. Good and luck. He's going to make his $30 million a year. It's obscene money that they get, and good on them. They get it. Charlie, Bernie, and the rest of them will never have to work a day and have no financial worries whatsoever for the rest of their lives. Good on them. But he left a legacy, and he scoffed at it because he went chasing after something that didn't exist. And the greatest point guard of them all told him, stay here and uh, build a legacy here, apparently, is what we've been told. I, didn't, I don't know about the conversation firsthand. But, and, he, and he didn't listen. So uh, does that mean that they're going to be bringing in all these guys because Dwayne Wade is telling them to come here? I don't know that it does. But if they snag one or two, but I still think the principles of what they have is what works. Because when the Utes went to the Final Four and they asked Majerus about blah, 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 now now you're, he said, wow, we're still uh, 10 hours, 12 hours away from Los Angeles. And we're still out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. It still snows here, yada, yep. yada, yada. Yep. And that'll never change. So for the Jazz to be successful, I don't know all of a sudden that they're just going to be reeling in free agents because how many franchises reel in free agents and be successful? Mark Cuban had problems getting people to take his money for several years. They gutted the roster after Nowitzki won the title and thought people would come, and they didn't. And the Lakers had money to give away for a few years before LeBron finally took it. But they had some high-profile whiffs in the meantime. So if if the Lakers and Cuban are going to struggle, and the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks, I mean, people are just looking at his owner going, you're toxic. We love your arena, and we love your name and your brand, even though you haven't won a title in 48 years. But we'd rather go to the Nets. See, I think Dwayne Wade can actually help in areas that we're not talking about. The obvious, oh, he's going to lure all these glamorous, big player name free agents. Eh, I don't know about that because I don't know if that's the way to go. That sounds good, but man, that doesn't happen very often to where, and LeBron is, yeah, if you can get LeBron to come, great. But I think it's something that he can he can have uh, if he's free to do it and they allow to do allow him to do it and he wants to do it and whatever the bylaws are and he can do it, I, I think there's other ways beyond free agents as far as uh, helping with drafting players because that's very, very important, finding nuggets, finding cashing in on top picks. They didn't cash in on Cantor. That was a bust, right? And uh, they took Burks and... Uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard was still available, if I remember correctly, uh, and they didn't they didn't go there. So maybe there's some other ways that go beyond the free agency that can help them. And, and then when they're here, you know, Darren Williams had a hard adjustment under Jerry Sloan. You know, maybe Dwayne Wade in that situation, if it were to play, I don't know that it will. I'm speaking hypothetically, obviously, but maybe he can help there because you know he had to come in to a to a uh, an organization and get himself ready and prepared. So there's all sorts of ways. The point I'm making is there's countless ways in which his expertise can help rather than, 
uh, fill-in-the-blank free agent, some kid who's now in the ninth grade and in three or four years when he's eligible to come in and just say, man, come here. You'll like it. You'll be able to to do this or that and blah, 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 and, and African-Americans can succeed here. Of course they can succeed here. We can line up a whole slew of them to say they can succeed here. There's... We can go as deep as we want to go. How many do you need? Do you need 20 ex-black players, say? Yeah, you'll love it there. Believe me, I liked it there. Carlos Boozer, who actually left and then went to Miami and talked about how it was nice here. How many do you need? 25, 30? What, what number do you need to convince somebody? Because the more I try to convince you of something, the less likely I'm going to be able to succeed at it. You need to convince yourself about this is what it is. And so I think there's all sorts of ways that Dwayne Wade can help beyond just getting, oh, a free agent, come here. This franchise deserves the respect that it has earned. That's the only way it's gotten the respect is because it's earned it. They've tried to do things the right way so many times over and over again. And I don't want to discount that. And and I, and I a lot of people I see, not I don't know what's a lot of people, and I'm just kind of talking out of my mouth now, obviously. But I, I think that... You're talking out of your mouth? Oh, you know what I mean. I'm just you're talking just, out the side of your neck. I think is that. To yeah, quote I, I, I don't like that expression though. I don't I'm just I'm just kind of blowharding out my mouth right now. Is what I'm getting at. I, I just as I listen to all this stuff, it's like, oh, he can help him with free agents. Well, what about all the great stuff that they had been doing for years? And that Ryan Smith has been doing since he bought the club, which is just, you know, relatively speaking, yesterday, last week. Now, it's been a couple of months and all that stuff. But they've already been doing great stuff. And free agents should already be attracted to this franchise because of all the great things. And then this guy comes in on a horse and he's going to get you guys. It's going to, he's going to snap his fingers and all of a sudden they're going to come, the, the nope. floodgates are going to open? No, because they gave Mitchell and Gobert so much money, they're not, they're not going to be loading up for the next big time free agent. Well, yeah, you know? that's why I said four right. years down the road, though. Well, and I, and I think that also, I think going back to the John Stockton, Gordon Hayward, I mean, the Jazz, you know, absolutely were trying to play every card they could and they played that one. Gordon, we, so. The media knows about it because Gordon came out way late one night to do post game. He said, I was in the back talking to John Stockton. And there were like three weeks left in the season. I mean, what do you think they were talking about? You know? So uh, I think a lot of people look at it, and, and you've brought this up before. You know, Donovan Mitchell is signed, so his unrestricted free agency is now a ways down the road. Yes. Um, but it's what you said relationships matter. At yes. some point, they will have to recruit Donovan to stay here. And. You know, right now, it seems like his relationships with his teammates, with the coach, and with the front office are good. You know, but yes. you sign a long term deal in the NBA, you sign three to five years out. Uh, you know, I think he signed a five year deal, but it's got a player option last year because players all want two bites of free agency in case they're coming off an injury or a bad year or whatever. They can, you know, kind of time the market and all that stuff. Um, Gordon had a three years, he had an option after three years in his five year deal. You know, but but three, four, five years in the NBA is forever. Who knows who your teammates will be, who your coach will be, and who will be in the front office three, four, five years down the line. You know, but relationships matter, and if Wade can help recruit yeah. Mitchell, or I mean, we're talking yeah, about Mitchell because they've got the relationship. But who yeah. knows when you get there? Maybe it'll be harder to recruit Gobert when you get there. 
Um, but Wade just has a level of cachet and star power that for all the good things this franchise has had, it hasn't had that. Okay, fine. And so but Shaq has it too, but Sacramento's a mess. <laughs> right. And that was kind of what I was getting at is, um, you know, Shaq and Wade and, and their teammates, and they probably got a lot of stuff in common, but isn't the public perception of those two guys different? Isn't that why they're on the same TV show now? Because they're different? Isn't that why they sit at opposite ends of the desk? Because of the yin and the and the yang? I mean, well, Wade yeah, Shaq's is, the funny Wade, guy. Wade, Wade is the thinking man. Wade is grounded. Right? If I had to go with one word, the, the yeah, he's the thinking grounded. man. He's the thinking man. There's a stability. He's not going to go him. outrageous. You're the thinking man. I'm the outrageous <laughs> one. So I get away with saying it. Yeah. And you say it. And sometimes if it's too outrageous, it gets assigned to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. I mean, that, that, that crap is a TV show. Just right. like we're, a, we're, in a sense, a TV show, too. It's something the Jazz haven't had. And they've had right. a lot of stuff. Yeah, sure. That's why I'm all for it. But they haven't had this. Great. You know, and, and then I Great think call. Bring them aboard. I think we're all looking at it from the basketball perspective and listen to those two talk. I'm thinking, I wonder what new businesses they're looking at launching. I wonder what doors they think they could get into now that they couldn't get into before for whatever other partnerships they're looking to form down the line. You know, celebrity will open doors. Money huh? will open doors. Well, these okay. two together now. Yeah, great. Man, that's a lot of money and a lot of celebrity. You do know, whatever you want to do. Whatever they want to do, social justice, you know. And I, there's a list, and they didn't really go into it, but it's clearly more than basketball to these guys. Although to all of us, it's like, that's awesome. Good luck with that. But what about the basketball? Help us out. Throw us a bone. Yeah. I'm now getting people's tra- Shaq is the worst. <laughs> Not because he went after Mitchell. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, talk about all of this coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dwayne Wade has joined the Utah Jazz ownership group. That's a big story, man. I don't want to overstate it, but I think Dwayne Wade is so highly respected around the NBA. He could even influence certain players to maybe think about playing in Utah. Talking about convincing other players to come play in Utah, Dwayne Wade is not only represented by, but also in business with a marketing company, the CAA Agency. There are really two big agencies when it comes to dealing with NBA players, IMG and CAA. It's not the the whole game, but if you're dialed in with certain agencies and agents and that sort of thing, that could be a big deal. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Bam against green, four seconds, three seconds, bam. Inside, shot up. Got it to go at the buzzer! And Miami wins it 109-107 as the big man, Bam, puts it in to end the ball game. There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Bam out of bio. Holding the ball, playing hero ball. That was old school, PK. Win one on one, went into the post and hit the game winner. Know that today at four fifty on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. All right, we got a little break here. We got a couple minutes. Anything you want to hit on before we bring on uh, Steve Cleveland? Absolutely nothing. Really? You're free and clear. 
We ought to catch the 8 o'clock listener up on what we uh, spent a lot of time on in the 7 o'clock, and that is the Jazz being so shorthanded for that game Saturday. You know, are they going to rest a lot of guys down the stretch? Uh, my guess is because of how they played it in the past, and because of what Quinn Snyder said after, I don't know if it was after that game, it might have been one of his media availabilities early in the week before a game, but something he said last week, and because of the schedule that they've got a week off between the end of the season and the start of their playoffs, it may turn out to be six days, but it's going to be a long stretch of time. I don't think we're going to see much of that. I think a bunch of things came together on Saturday. I think that uh, Conley, they don't have a lot of back-to-backs left. And Conley's playing except when they hit the back-to-backs. Because he played in the first half of the back-to-back and Mitchell got hurt, I think those guys were both out for the second game. So they gave Rudy the shot. I think Rudy's the only guy that rested. I think there's something wrong with Favors. He's now missed three games. I don't think it's rest. I think they're something, trying to get something to heal, whether it's, you know, he's had back and knee issues, so one or the other or both. As far as resting guys down the stretch, and I wouldn't expect a lot of it. Maybe they'll do it one more time with, with Gobert, but normally teams do it at the end of the season, and I don't know why the Jazz would do it in the last couple of games when they're looking at a week off anyway. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of this down the stretch. And if they lose the first game after that week off, oh, well, they had a week off. It's hard to get going. Absolutely, we'll hear that. Blah, I would blah, put, blah, 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 I'd put a lot blah. of money on that. <laughs> that. That's going to be the new thing. The one and two seed have to play teams that were playing. Uh, you know, the three, six, and four, five, it'll be a wash. Both teams will have had all that time off. And finish third. Then, then. It's, it's, did you or didn't you, man? This is pro sports. And... Did you hear on Monday, I don't know if y'all can find it or not, uh, Quinn basically went into that about, uh, you know, are you watching the standings and do you care about the seating? And he went in straight in the analogy of, you know, we, we were, we're doing well and we're in a good spot, but it's like, uh, it's like quizzes. You want to do well on the quizzes. You don't want to do poorly on the quizzes, but you got to do well on the final exam. There aren't enough quizzes to offset the final exam. You got to do well on the final and it was clear he was talking about the postseason. That's the final yeah. exam, and you got to ace that. So who cares if they're resting people now? I have a hard time getting worked up on it. And that was an unusual back-to-back. How many back-to-backs do you have an afternoon game on a weekday <laughs> and then a, a get on a plane and fly down, not a super long flight, and then play another afternoon game? It's crazy, man. These guys are used to their – all of us are habits, uh, creatures of habits, I guess the expression is. So all of us to one degree or another. You know what I mean? We do the same things day after day after day. And that was an unusual situation there. Uh, and, and, and so be it. I just don't know how it's going to matter. I thought it actually good. Get Ilyasova out there. Get him running around a little bit, man. He needs to do that. You very well could need him because you already said about how you think Favors is battling some form of an injury. Who's to say it doesn't crop up again in the postseason or somebody gets a foul trouble? And we saw, heaven forbid, a couple years back with uh, Gobert, right? He went diving for a ball against the Clippers in the first game, and, and he was out. We're going back, what? four or five years now, whenever it was. So I looked at I look at what happened as a Saturday as a positive, actually. A, a really good positive because Ilisova got to run around a little bit. Joe, my goodness gracious, Joe. I mean what a stud he is, you know? Clarkson got up some more shots, get himself into more of a rhythm because he was injured. He said he's something what was it his hand, hand or yes. yeah. And so that and then they they, they lost. All right, fine. For whatever reason, they can't win overtime games. So be it. Uh, it's not like I don't care 
about the result, but we're so far along in the process now. It's like, get me to the playoffs. My body clock screams playoffs at the middle to end of April, but we have to push it back for another month because of the COVID and they waited. I'm, I am so eager for the postseason to, to get here, to see what this ball club can do, because I believe they have a ton of talent, and I believe they have just as much chance as anybody else to win it. I don't know that they will. I necessarily wouldn't bet. I, I'll never bet against LeBron until I see him lose that fourth game or something dramatically happens injury-wise before we get to the fourth loss possible. But, yeah, so they would be the favorite. But let's bring that on there. I'm not sweating whether they're resting a guy here or there, whatever it might be. Do what you want to do because they're all going to be there, hopefully, when the ball goes up for game one, and that's when, that's when it matters the most. They've only got two more back-to-back, so if we see this resting phenomena the, the rest of the way, I would think it would be in one of those back-to-backs. Yeah, okay, fine. But it's a couple weeks till the next one. It's uh, yeah. the last day of April, the first day of May. Uh-huh. I, I, I think okay. everybody will play in Phoenix on Friday, April 30th, all hands on deck for that game. Uh, and, you know, will Donovan Mitchell be back for that game? I, I would think the odds are good, not a lock, but the odds are good that he would be. Uh, and then Toronto, the next game, uh, I may not see everybody there. We'll have to see how that plays out. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Steve Klauke because uh, you were busting me in my expectation. He busted me even harder, and he's right. Uh, we were talking about, will Wade leave TNT? And I, I said, I don't know that he will, but I expect he will. And... Uh, and Steve points out, well, Shaq's got an ownership uh, stake yeah. in the Kings, and he's still on it. Right. So why can't Wade stay? So we'll see how that plays out. All right, but shout out to Steve. Thanks for listening, Steve. I already brought that up. <laughs> I said I Shaq want has an ownership. Yeah. You did. The- I know. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Steve Cleveland, stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. Time now to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, a lot going on since we talked to you last. Dwayne Wade buying a piece of the team. Donovan Mitchell getting hurt. Uh, the team you grew up with, the Lakers, playing the Jazz here uh, a couple of times. And let's start. Uh, let's start off first with uh, with uh, the the sale and 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 Wade buying the team. Uh, he's got celebrity. He's got star power. He's got cachet. Uh, that's an area for all the Jazz success that they might have been a little shorthanded in. It's exciting. He's a minority owner. How much does this really change the course of things, you think? Well, I think, I think just the perception that uh, I, I, you, know, you all know a lot more about this, but I mean, just the things that I've read and heard that, uh, that Ryan Smith and he had a relationship and that he would consider being part of this and want to be part of it for, and I don't know all of those reasons, uh, but I think it's such a positive thing for the community. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to impact and what his role is going to be, but it sounds like he wants it to, to be hands-on and wants to be a part. And, and the fact that he was there the other night with, with Ryan, uh, bodes well. I, I just think that, you know, the, the, the elephant in the closet, is, you know, obviously in, in, in Salt Lake, which is a very diverse city, but it's always going to be something that, you know, they've had white owners there, Ryan Smith, you know, for an African-American man, well-respected, Hall of Famer, great person. Uh, they, you know, it's about relationships. It's about connections. And obviously he and Ryan have a relationship. 
that he'd want to be a part of that because of the things he sees and the people that are in that organization. I, I think it's a, a big win for the Utah Jazz. And I don't know Dwayne Wade personally, obviously, like a lot of folks, you watch him from, from afar. But he seems to have great integrity. He, he's obviously got a, uh, a wealth of experience in this league and another voice and, a, and someone that Ryan can lean on. And, I'm, you know, they may have other minority investors I'm not aware of, but someone with that kind of uh, prestige and, uh, you know, really all of his experience in basketball, I can see nothing but good things coming from it. So you bring up about the relationships, and obviously those two, uh, Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade, did have a relationship, and so that helped uh, probably was the most significant thing in sealing the deal and getting Dwayne Wade on. And I look at the first thing we heard of, oh, man, the Jazz are going to get all these premier free agents now because of Dwayne Wade, you know, and it's probably a little overblown. But the relationship aspect of it is extremely critical, and I look at – recruiting, whether it's a high school kid or junior college kid or a transfer portal kid to come to your school at the college level, there's probably a lot of similarities there between that and recruiting free agency uh, in, in the NBA is about relationships. And and you went through this in a, in a difficult situation when you tried to recruit non-LDS guys to BYU. What did you do in terms of that to make sure that the party, not just the player, but the party was comfortable in getting their kid, whoever it might be, to commit to come to BYU that you think might be applicable as the Jazz go out to try to recruit people? Well, I, I think you talked about it to start with. I mean, it's relationships and going into homes and meeting with their parents and uh coaches and, and the players themselves, um, they have to be comfortable with you. And you have to be comfortable in those settings where they, specifically at BYU, yes, where, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 it's a school that had restrictions and there were things that had honor code and things that you'd have to, you know, you'd have to talk about those things. How does an African-American or Hispanic or a foreign player fit into Provo, Utah? Are they going to be respected and loved and taken in and embraced, or is that going to be a situation? And so those are things, those relationships, those connections are really important. And uh, I know even in Fresno, when when we had all the sanctions and things, you know, why would they come here? <clears throat> and, and and you have to sell them on a lot of different things, from playing time to the environment to teammates to coaches. And I, I think in a small way, when – you can have someone come into your organization who has incredible credibility in the NBA. Ryan Smith has incredible credibility in the business world, and he's obviously an avid fan and has relationships with people. But him, him coming there and having those relationships, I mean, it just brings credibility to what's going on. It's not that there was anything wrong or there didn't happen, but it just says to the world that it's okay to come to Utah. Here is a superstar in the NBA who is not only joining the organization but buying into it, and he speaks on behalf of Ryan Smith and that entire organization as well. And that, that's what you do in college. You know, you, you, you talk about the coaching staff. You talk about the goals and dreams of the program. You talk about facilities, opportunities to play. Those are all things that happen. And once you do that, 
and you start moving forward, other recruits, and I, I promise you that it does nothing but make a positive step forward for the Jazz in maybe securing a player. It's, it's not a, <clears throat> a, a, a done deal, but it's certainly not going to help hurt, and, it, and I think it's going to help a great deal, that it, it's okay to come to Utah. That's a great city, good people, good teammates, amazing coaching staff. And just to hear it from another voice, from someone that doesn't live in Utah, that's lived in Miami and has been an NBA superstar, I can't think of anything that does more for it. And so, you know, we tried to sell those things, and, uh, but relationships and connections are really important, and so is trust. So is trust. And, you know, a lot of the NBA players aren't going to know who Ryan Smith is. Everybody knows Dwayne Wade. And when Dwayne Wade says, hey, this is a really good dude, He's honest. He's got great integrity. He loves the game. He's passionate. He wants to do special things here. That kind of endorsement, you know, Dwayne Wade all of a sudden becomes kind of a recruiter for the Jazz. And I don't know if he'll have any role in anything dealing with the team or the organization. I don't know what his role will be, but just being able to do that and speak publicly in social media and all the platforms about what a great place this is is going to do nothing but help the Jazz. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. Uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, went down, and it looked bad. He looked like he was in a lot of pain, had to be helped off the floor, was moving really slowly, not putting any weight on the leg. And then afterwards we hear, well, it's a sprained ankle. The x-rays and MRIs are pretty good, and he will be reevaluated in a week. And his teammates say that he was in a good mood right after the game. So should we put away what we saw with our own eyes during the, during the game, relax a little bit, and think he's probably back in 10 to 14 days? You've seen a lot of sprained ankles in your life, even though you haven't exa- examined this one, Dr. Cleveland. What do you think? <laughs> well, let me tell you this, too. First of all, here a lot of guys haven't been hurt very often. I don't know what injuries that, that Donovan Mitchell's had, but sometimes when uh, your elite players haven't really experienced this, the first is it, kind of shock and trauma. I mean, and it's like it goes down, oh, my gosh, you know, and it's like they maybe haven't. And, and nobody that's played this game certainly has, has had sprained ankles and knee issues. Most just that just happens. But here they are, you know, top of the NBA. He's having a terrific year. It goes down and, and immediately it becomes very emotional as well as physically. And, and so the despondency and you know, what's happening here. And, and then, you know, after 24 hours, things kind of settle down. They get ice on it. You know, it's going to be okay. It may be a week to 10 days. And then he can kind of smile again and go, okay, I'm going to be okay. But I think that at the moment it happens, there's a little bit of panic. And uh, knowing what's at stake and, you know, I, want, I can't miss games. I need to be out there. I mean, again, I haven't talked to Donovan Mitchell, but at the end of the day, I know when, at times when you all the injuries I had, the first thing that comes to your mind, oh, no, you know, how long am I going to be out? Is this how bad is this? And then once he sees the docs and they kind of give a prognosis of what's going to happen, you can smile again, you can breathe again and go, okay, we're going to be okay. I'm going to get this thing better. You know, because I'm sure Donovan's had sprained ankles before. But I think in that setting, uh, it's, it, it's, it can be a challenge for you. I mean, it's just you, you, all the things go through your mind that, oh, my goodness, am I going to play again? And what, what happened? How bad is it? But Palmer minds prevail, and, and uh, he's probably in a good mood right now and working on getting back as quick as he can. Yeah, especially as a 24-year-old, 
Uh, do you have any concern about him being able to pick up where he left when he got injured? Uh, no, I, 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 I mean, I think he'll be fine. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I just heard what you heard, and it didn't sound like it was broke. And uh, no, high ankle sprains. I didn't. I don't know if it was a high ankle sprain. Those take longer to heal from. Uh, I've had a number of players that had those, and those can be more painful. But uh, you know, right now they're in, in a good spot. And they've got some depth in this team, and certainly they want to get him back. They're, you know, he may miss six, seven, eight games, but I think if you look at their schedule, uh, a lot of those games they could win without Donovan. And that depth that they have helps, and the system's in place. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it seems to me, everything I'm reading and hearing, that he'll probably be back in a couple of weeks, maybe sooner. And he's a competitive guy, and, and he's going to want to be on the floor as quick as possible. So it's not like he's going to miss missed the appointments with all of his physical therapy and everything that he's got to do. He's going to want to get back out there as soon as possible. So uh, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a serious issue. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider joining us. So Saturday we turn on the jazz and Lakers ESPN. They schedule the second half of the season this year, which by the way, I'd be fine if that became a normal thing. I think there's a lot of benefits to doing that. Uh, And they try to set up this game and sure enough, AD's hurt, LeBron is hurt, Donovan is hurt, Conley doesn't play back-to-backs, they rest Gobert, so five All-Stars, and they go 0 for 5. I got to admit, I got sucked into it. I thought it was a wildly entertaining game. And I have to admit, I probably had a pretty poor attitude uh, at some point in the first half. Like, oh, nobody's playing in this game. Uh. And then uh, it was thorough. I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, you're, you're a Laker lifer and have been breaking them down. What would you think of that game? And does it have any impact in the long run? Uh, I'll tell you the long run. What it does is for both teams, you get to see guys play that haven't played a lot of minutes. And that does nothing but good. And for the Lakers, obviously, to win that game, uh, I watched that game as well, most of it. And I, and it, it was a game that I thought both teams, I mean, it was entertaining. They played well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Utah obviously had, a, at the end of the regulation, had a chance to win it. And, uh, you know, for, for, if you're looking at it from the Lakers perspective, they, they probably needed that win way more than the Jazz just because, they're trying to get on top of things, and there's been so much inconsistency with the Lakers. You know, they're five and five in the last ten games, but it was one of those nights where they shot the ball well, they played well, and uh, they've just been so up and down. Uh, so I think there's a great benefit for the Lakers to win that game. Uh, I, I don't think the Jazz knew they had a chance and should have won. I mean, they went away from that game going, "Oh my gosh, this is a game we we had won." But this is a mature group. And I think the Jazz have a much more mature group than the Laker group that's out there right now. I mean, you put LeBron and AD back in there, and it's a little bit different story. But at the end of the day, uh, the the Lakers still have a propensity to just go stretches where they don't score. And they're typically a pretty good defensive team as a whole. But uh, they just didn't really flake. I mean, Kuzma one night goes for 30 and then doesn't score. You just Schroeder's been pretty solid. And uh, has helped him, but even even he has kind of been up and down. And <clears throat> I seeing Caldwell, <clears throat> excuse me, seeing Caldwell Pope play and make baskets. I, I I'll be honest with you, the guy Caruso for the Lakers, he needs to play. I mean, he's just so solid defensively, makes good decisions, and they need him. But that was big for the Lakers to win because they're reeling. I mean, they're, you know, who knows where they're going to finish up? 
but uh, I don't I don't think Utah. I'm sure they were disappointed because the nice thing you, you start thinking about this. You got Jordan Clarkson, you've got Ingles, you got Bogdanovich, Elias uh, Olsa. I mean, you have four guys all the time that can shoot it. And you know we're going to be some defensive lapses and things, but I know it's not their best team, but they're still pretty good, <laughs> and they can score the basketball. And so I, I just thought that uh, you know missing those guys, missing Mitchell, missing Conley, missing Gobert, but those, those four can they can fill it up. And they kept them in the game, and they're relaxed. They're a veteran group. They weren't nervous. They had nothing to lose. They went in there and played awfully well and probably deserved to win. But for the Lakers, probably benefited more from the loss. I don't think the, the Jazz are hurt by that. I think they're going to get Gobert back for tonight, aren't they, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they get him back and Conley back, then uh, it, it should be a really good game and much more difficult for the, for the Lakers. I don't know how much you've been following your former player, Paul George, but, man, he has just been killing it. He's having an MVP-like season. I mean, if I think if he comes close to what he's doing in the regular season, in the postseason, watch out for the Clippers. Yeah, he has been playing well. And, and, and I, you know, I, I try to stay in touch with him. And, and there's some things you can talk about and things not, but he is playing really, really well. And, and I think, too, for him uh, – he had some of those really good games without with Kawhi, and I, I think it relaxed him. And and I think that he has to – they both, he and Kawhi, have to learn how to play together better and feed off each other. Kawhi did come back for the last game, but he has been playing well. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the only counsel I have for Paul is that he, he's such a good human being, and he speaks from his heart, and I and I think that – Sometimes at that level uh, where there's 50 cameras and microphones around you that he can help himself just by being real simple with post. You know, he has he, shared everything. He's so transparent. And then it gets interpreted 20 ways, and the media, you know, kind of gets all over him. But, but even the media can see that he's playing well, and uh, he just gives too much information in these press conferences. And, and that's just Paul. I mean, he's just... He's an honest kid. He's a good person. And sometimes that gets him into a little bit of trouble. But I'm really happy because what he went through last summer and that team went through and Paul took a big hit last summer from media and social media and everybody. So for him to come back and play like this, I'm really proud of him. I know that's not an easy environment to be in. We forget they're still, you know, young people. And they have feelings. They have families. And sometimes Paul will share things and be so transparent that he becomes really vulnerable and then he gets pounded on. And listen, we, we were lying to ourselves. We don't think these kids are on social media platforms and hearing things. And, uh, I mean, I used to, I tell new head coaches, you cannot be on social media. I mean, it's, it's a big part of it today, but you, you cannot get caught up in that because it can just destroy you as a person. And so I hope Paul can, deal with that and continue to play well because he, he is a great guy and he's a hard worker and his intentions are good and it's just fun to see him kind of rebound from a really tough summer that they came off. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time and uh, you know I don't know that Paul's watching Fred Rogan's Sunday Night Show or uh, reading the LA Times. I think the social media is what's getting to these guys. 
and, and maybe to it some is. degree what they say to the media, then it gets translated to social media. So there's a little bit of that probably. The other thing I'd say to you, uh, you know, I, I really did hear a little bit of your Laker fandom there. You know, I, I know you think the Lakers are wildly inconsistent, but I think missing the two stars, 500 was the most they could hope for. They're pulling that off. And they're inconsistent because they don't have these elite players. And Portland and Dallas are letting them off the hook, losing three out of four and losing five out of seven. You're gonna you're gonna be the four or the five seed. I don't know if you're gonna have home court in the first round, but I don't think the Clippers are gonna let the Nuggets make a move. So it's gonna be Nuggets Lakers in the playoffs. I think LeBron already knows it. You should just sign off on it. You'd be a lot more you'd be a lot more relaxed. I think you're right. I I mean, you know, I am a little more hypercritical of a team that I grew up loving and. But I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not saying this because I lived in Utah. Or, but I, I mean, in terms of an organization, I mean, I just I love the Jazz. I love the players. I love the organization, everything they're doing, and what they're getting out. And uh, it, it would be a difficult deal. But yeah, you know, when you've grown up since you're about four or five years old and following the Lakers and following the Dodgers. It's hard to get that out. I, I, <laughs> it's hard to be neutral. I'm more upset with the Lakers often than I am happy with them. But uh, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. If if they end up with the four or five spot through all this and those two guys come back healthy, uh, they'll make another run at it. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. See you. Steve Bye-bye. Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us every week right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll get you up to date on everything you missed in this show. Dwayne Wade, the Jazz resting players, a sensational baseball series, and the health report for the Jazz for tonight's game. And we will get to that next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And JCW's is the perfect place. Stop at any of our five locations, including our brand new location in Harriman. JCW's, quality and a lot of it. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell. Jazz and the Lakers play tonight in L.A. Their second meeting in three days. This one should look different. Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley are listed as probable for the game tonight. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is still out. Ilya Sova and Favors are listed as questionable. Game tips off at 8 o'clock on ESPN. The Zones coverage starts at 7 o'clock with the Jazz game night, the pregame show. For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up! But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, uh, what? this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up! With DJ and PK on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
good culmination of spring ball. A lot of guys making plays out there. You know, we may have had an injury or two. I'll have to find out come tomorrow what, where we stand with that. But uh, otherwise, it was a good spring overall. Got made a lot of progress. Got a lot of things sorted out. Still have some things to sort out uh, going forward. And that's what fall camp's for. So I think we're in a good place right now, and we'll uh, we'll get to get ready for the summer conditioning, which is the next phase, which starts June one, and that'll be a, a huge part of our success or lack thereof, depending on how we handle that. So that'll be important that we attack that summer conditioning program. There's Kyle Whittingham after the spring game. The quarterback was 15 for 15. He got a 6'4 receiver making juggling catches in the back of the end zone. <sighs> Undefeated, PK. All is well. I got a shot to uh, win that first game. <laughs> nice. Take them one at a time, Coach Kinahan. It's all we're focused on. All right, so you got any takeaways from that spring game, or you just can't do it? It's too vanilla. They're not blitzing. They can't hit the quarterback. Probably playing a bunch of man. You're playing a bunch of second and third stringers. Uh, it's a dog and pony show for the Pac-12 Network. Well, I never have any significant judgments based on a practice. A single practice. It's not what it's about. A single practice is not what it's about. I think the great news, as I spoke with Chris Camerani of The Athletic earlier, about an hour and a half ago, was that they got all 15 in because some got none, some got two or three, whatever it was last year. <clears throat> this ball club got in all 15, and they're progressing, and they're on track. Those, those are the important things, and they'll have another three weeks of uh, training camp in August as they get ready for the season opener and go into game prep, and so continue to make improvements. And I think that the big thing that we've seen with the Kyle Whittingham team is that the talent usually is there, right? They haven't lacked talent, I don't believe, maybe in certain positions, but speaking generally about the entire team. And what we've seen from younger guys, less experienced guys, is that they know how to coach them to get better. And this is what the process was of 15 spring ball practices, was coaching them to get better. See what I'm saying? And then they get into the fall camp and they coach them to get better. And that's the positive sign because when you look at the defense and the three levels of the defense, there's talent there. And this staff has the ability to, I believe, maximize talent because they're not rolling in with a bunch of four- and five-star guys. And I said earlier last week when it was raining last, and there was nothing to do but stay inside, I started doing some intense Pac-12 research. And just in the last recruiting class, this most recent recruiting class for SC, they had 15 guys who were either four- or five-star recruits, right? And not all of them are going to pan out to that level for sure, but – you know, you're playing the odds, and the more you have, the better chance you have of more succeeding. Well, Utah doesn't normally get that, but what they do is they progress the guys and move them along and get better. And that's what I took from the spring ball rather than an individual practice. And Charlie Brewer, man, I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I'm mystified. What's going to happen? You know, it, it, it's really, uh, it, it, it's like, uh, what? What's going to be behind this door? I know there's going to be something. Is it going to be great? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be disappointing? But there's something behind that door. And I'm excited to open the door when the time comes in several months. Because 
the pedigree that he showed is unlike anything that they've had because all the transfers they've been getting at quarterback, there was usually something wrong there. You know what I mean? Something didn't work out at the prior place. Doesn't mean it can't work out here, but it didn't work out at the first stop. So I don't know. This thing, it did work out at the first stop. And now what it's going to do here at this stop. Excited to see what happens when that curtain goes up and we see. You know, whenever you throw something out and I, I wait at the end, then I'm going to analyze it, put my spin on it, give my take or whatever, and I say two things, it always cracks you up. You always make a deal out of it. And the number two, with Kyle Woodingham, it's always two words. Yak's got the legendary drop. Two words. Two words. Bowl eligible. After the two five and seven seasons, that's in the locker room. They beat USC to go to six and one and be bowl eligible. But if I had to update that with two more words, take everything that we saw and heard from Look Spout. Out. No. <laughs> two I, words. Two words. Though. Bowl eligible. Yeah! That is priceless. I love that we have that. Rose Bowl. <laughs> Rose Bowl. Those are your two words. No. Yes. Nope. Oh, Maybe man. these two could eventually lead Maybe. national championship. Word. Oh. Kyle said in response to a question after the spring game, he used the phrase complete team. Now, we all know what that's code for. And if you just transferred in from Baylor, maybe you don't know, but it's like, hey, I think the throw game's on par with everything else we do. And they run the ball at a high level. They play defense at a high level. Their special teams has literally been the best in the country. Punting, place kicking, they've sent guys to the NFL. It's the throw game. It's the missing piece of the puzzle. When Kyle said complete team, my ears totally perked up. He said it very matter-of-factly. He knew what he was saying. He wasn't messing around. He didn't throw it out there lightly. There are some guys who've been in this market a long time, and when they say stuff in a certain way, they've got credibility, PK. And, you know, we're around some of these coaches a lot. We're getting to that point with Quinn Snyder now. You know, he's, he's been here a while now. This is, what, going to be five straight playoffs for them, his seventh year. So, you know, he's getting up there. But Kyle Bronco was here a long time. Jerry Sloan was here a long time. Lavelle Edwards was here a long time. Sometimes these guys say something, you're like, oh, I think that meant something. And when he said complete team, I thought it meant something. Well, I think that uh, the most important thing is this is going to be a miserable college football playoff for Paul Feinbaum. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) A lot of you fans can sign off on that. Some of them already have. The rest are trying to figure that out. But when they do, they'll sign off on it. All right, we talked a little uh, college football with, Steve, with Chris Camerani. We talked a lot of basketball. The Jazz resting guys Saturday. I do think a lot of it came down to injury. I think Gobert came down to rest. I can't prove any of this. This is just my gut instinct on how they've handled players in the past and what I've seen during games. Mitchell was obviously out. Conley has a history of not playing to back-to-backs. I realize there was one exception post-All-Star break, but he has a history of not playing back-to-backs. Uh, Favors is now missing his third game in a row, and there are times this year where he's looked pretty good, but there have also been times where I thought he's played behind, but below the rim and moved, played behind the rim. It's hockey. You can take the puck behind the net. Um, and he hasn't moved that well, and whether that's knee, back, combination of the two, uh, I thought they rested Gobert. I thought that really did come down to rest. Quinn did allude to some, some nagging injuries, some things he's been able to play through. Uh, but Gobert is supposed to be back tonight. I don't think we're going to see a lot of resting down the stretch because they're going to have 
if not a full week, close to a full week off between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. They do have two back-to-backs left, so we may see some resting, but I don't think we're going to see a lot. Quinn said he values that these guys, the guys be on the court together, continue to play together, and continue to get better, and you can't do that if you're constantly missing one guy and then another and one guy and then another. So I think Quinn would prefer, health permitting, to play these guys down the stretch. Yeah, haven't they played enough together, though? Is that it? We're no. still in the developing phase here? Yes. Yeah, I think Quinn thinks you can always get better. You're of not, course you can always get better. That so wasn't then you the better, question. You Are better get better because because he won't say, well, that that's a good point. You can get better, but will you? Really? Is that really going to happen? Um, you know, is he, uh, what was that blind Bronco gave you about chasing ghosts with a game day walk around, walkthroughs in a parking lot or the hotel ballroom? You're chasing ghosts? And maybe yeah. they're at the point in the season where you're chasing ghosts. You're not really going to get better. They they need to play to their capability. They're already better. <laughs> I mean, everybody can get better. I mean, unless you're Jesus, I guess that's it. Uh, you're already perfect. But the rest of us, we're all a work in progress to that degree. Uh, but I think that when they get to the postseason, you know, w- what is the team going to do facing adjustments that the other teams do because they really hone in on the scouting. And a classic example that everybody remembers is the way they decided to guard Harden when the playoff came. You know, they never did that in the regular season and probably wouldn't do that, but they unveiled that in the postseason. And so I don't know who they're going to play, but whoever that is have to start, you know, what type of defensive assignments that are they going to see and what type of defensive assignments do they employ depending on whoever the opponent is and those are things that will come about when we get there but I don't know that they need to play together more to get more comfortable with each other I think they've already reached that level but I'm by far a basketball genius I'm not even close so what do I know I think it's about them playing to the level of the ability that they have and if they have that close to it or as close as they can get they're going to win i'm speaking of the first round anyway and then we'll see about the second and third and if if we even get that far and all that stuff that's what i'm more concerned about and if they want to rest guys what how many games they got 15 16 games it's 15 so i don't really care it it doesn't matter to me because (laughs) it's all about what they do in the postseason and if they get the first seed second seed third seed some people are stressed you read somebody on facebook he's basically stressed about not getting that number one seed okay if that's your thing i'm not stressed by it now at the same time uh scotty and hans play that uh promo where they talk about matt harpering saying well it's there you might as well go get it sure i agree with that too absolutely might as well go get it you're this close finish the deal and get it great but if they don't get it and it was because of they rested a player here or there i'm i'm okay with it now if they play crappy and lose they got all their guys and lose a bunch of games that's another story but i don't anticipate that happening because that hasn't happened yet why would it happen now hasn't happened we've gone through uh, what's 72 minus 15? We've gone through that many games. 57, so, PK. All right, 57. 57, right. So it hasn't, and they've had a stretch or two where they haven't been awesome, but that's the course in the ups and downs and the give and takes of a season. But the truth is they've played pretty consistently for a good long stretch. So if they have their guys, they're going to play well, and they're going to have a time or two, things don't go well. And, and look at the game uh, on Friday against the Pacers. And they didn't look good for large stretches of that ball game, but yet they won going away. That's who really this team is, man. When they turn it on, they're pretty good. 
And that may be what Quinn means when he talks about improving is it's not the new stuff they're going to add. It's the consistency of the things that they can do at a high level. You know, there are times in games that they just don't run. And yet when they run and throw the ball ahead and get Joe Ingles or Bojan an open three, yeah, yeah. good things happen. And man. that's a development. That, that, can, that continues to progress with what you were talking about. All right, DJ and PK at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yak interrupted me to tell me there was breaking news. Earlier this morning, I complained about all the news that breaks at 10.08. What do you got, Yak, uh, at 9.43? Not all that surprising, but Alex Smith, former number one overall pick out of the University of Utah, has announced this morning he's retiring from football. And there it is. Smart decision. He went out with some wins, and he got Washington to the playoffs. He didn't get to play in the playoff well, game, but he got that. I say year, that the man. comeback player of the year should be That's named nice. for him now. I Just think to be able forward. to get out on that field after that excruciating injury was devastating. You know, Joe Theismann didn't get back right. He, he did That was the end, right? That was and it. Alex managed to get himself back out on the field, and just that's a triumph. It played fairly well. He's never a great quarterback, but you know he was good. And he had a long, long career. So you, you, you got to admire. It's like what you said about the NBA player. If he lasts 10 years in the league, even if he's a bench player, that's an accomplishment. Well, how long did Alex last in the league? And he wasn't a bench player. No. He wasn't an all-pro Dan Marino or whomever, but he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, out of the league. He, sta- he was in that league, started for three teams. That's pretty good. And he got three teams to the playoffs. I think despite the rough start and certainly the first five years, uh, you know, going through all those coordinators in San Francisco, it wasn't good. But they finally got it right in San Francisco. And, you know, he won a playoff game out there. And so I think he became a playoff quarterback. I think you can say that. I think there were – I'd have to look it up, but I think there were five playoff trips in Kansas City. A poor man's Phillip Rivers. Uh, A lot of – a lot of comparisons there. Philip was better early and wasn't as consistent later, but I think in the end, uh, you know, about the same number of years, roughly the same number of playoff games. There were some, yeah, there were some good comparisons there. Neither one getting to the Super Bowl level. Uh, neither guy got there, so. I would put Philip Rivers a notch above Alex Smith, okay. which is in a, not a knock on Alex, and I know people want to get excited because he's a hometown player yeah. and you got to be a cheerleader here, but that's how I see it. DJ and PK, there you go. That's a lot of what we've been talking about. Uh, Dodgers and Padres, three entertaining regular season games. you got 30 teams playing 162 games. There's a lot of baseball out there. But those three games were competitive, uh, weird, dramatic, uh, clutch, Mookie Betts, diving catch, and, man, HDTV. I mean, the camera gets right in there, and you can see the ball on the heel of his glove about to pop out on the grass, and he puts his – Puts his right hand on top of the glove to secure the catch and end the game. And it would have been tied with a winning run and scoring position if that ball hits the grass. What a great play, yeah. That was a, a great play. Well, depending on it, might have actually been inside the parker, depending on how far it got away from him. Exactly. You don't know how that would have played out. But yeah. certainly the runner would have been at least second. And again, maybe third, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe scores. You know, you don't know what kind of throw would have come. The Dodger bullpen is it's, its vulnerable area. And if that ball's not caught, uh, even if the the runner does not score, they, they tie the ball game. But who's to say the next guy doesn't come up and jack one? I mean, yeah. any number of things. It was just a great, great play. It's why we tune into sports, really, to see great plays. This is why, why I do. Yeah. See a player lay out, give me all he's got, and make a great play. Twelve innings on Friday night. Saturday ends with a diving catch. And Sunday, the Dodger bullpen, seventh and eighth inning, uh, gives up three runs and gets beat 5-2. So the Dodgers' eight-game win streak is over, but they're still on pace to win a gazillion games. 
And they come out of the series three and a half and then, games. And plus they had a little uh, little conflict, you know, a little mm-hmm. two, two little conflicts. And then the next night, Kershaw, who was the player? Say so he was he swung, tried to swing and hit yeah, the catcher's, it was catcher's mitt. interference. And I'm blanking on who it was. Um, and and he says that, and you can read him. That was a BS swing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he try to hit the catcher's well, glove? Well, that's what on Kershaw purpose. was insinuating. That's what he was saying. That's oh, absolutely. Is that he clearly did. Yeah. And then and the Kershaw mincing no words there. <laughs> it was jerks and Profar. That's who it was. It was yeah, I thought it was Profar. Yeah, and he's his BS. Only he said the he said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, and so then there was on Friday, and it was on the air Friday, so I missed this. So everybody's running from the bullpen to be supportive in the fight that didn't happen. Like you said, it had everything except the guy actually triggering. It didn't have the the two guys at the at the core of it. You know, charge the mound, throw the punches, wrestle the guy to the ground, and then everybody else runs out there. But apparently, yeah. a fan ran and in a with fan the didn't bullpen. Run on field. Correct, yeah. <laughs> dude, yeah. get off the field. You don't. F- players stay out of the stands. Fans stay off the field. It seems like two obvious rules, but a lot of people seem to have uh, problems with it. Well, that's probably because there was some alcohol involved. I mean, you don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> Possibility. They want to spend that. They want you to make that money off the booze, and they're willing to take whatever uh, goes with it. Uh, yeah, a fan did run out on the field and all that stuff. That game had all sorts of stuff going on. That was fantastic. That was just a great position game. players pitching by the time it was over. Mookie, <laughs> Mookie Betts, best player in baseball, gets struck out by a utility player. Well, he's not the best player in baseball, but uh, we'll give you one of the better ones. I'm still going to go with my man, Mike Trout. But, uh, yeah, and they, they were saving him. I guess they would have brought in uh, Musgrove later if they needed. If they went on to another inning and all. But, yeah, fun, fun stuff in April. What it means is another thing here. October seems like it's about five years away right now, but uh, I'm not sure what it means in October, but it's fun stuff for now. I was left with the impression that nobody's beating the Dodgers over 162 games. The best you can hope for is to be really good and be able to get them in seven games, which will be difficult, but possibly doable. Like you said, that's a long way away. Yeah. We'll be in the middle of the NFL season, the college football season, when we get to that. So that's a long way away. All right, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. PK, again, you are so right because you're so awesome. Zelmo Beatty, Willie Wise from the ABA championship team. Loved it here. Come on now. That was in 71. Yeah, baby. Dwayne Wade has a lifetime agreement with Kneeling Apparel of China, a company that uses slave labor in the production of its products. Given his stand on social justice, how does Ryan Smith accept investment dollars made in part with slave labor? PK, shut up. Probably the same way everyone else accepts money from China. They count it and they put it in their bank account. That'd be the short answer. If he does a local media availability, maybe somebody can ask him. But it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime soon. Got anything to add to that, PK? No, I was told to shut up. (laughs) Not for the first time. Not for the last time. (laughs) That would be held on to as a drop. You can't even find all the drops you've got now, Yach. You're going to have to spend oh, time getting them organized. Did the new yeah. computer threw you off your game? Well, we're getting them built back up here pretty quickly, though. All right, uh, your feedback, stuff you've had to say about uh, what we are talking about. Um, Blake, on the question of are you good with Jazz resting players down the stretch, 100%. Any matchup in the West will be tough. Having home court advantage is going to be more important than having the number one seed. 
Well, what? you get more home court advantage if you have the number one seed, though, Blake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have it in the first round. They're not falling to fifth. I don't even think the math works on that anymore. So, could they fall to third? I guess so. It's three games to the Clippers. But, man, there's a, have you, there's a pretty soft week coming up here. I mean, the Laker game tonight, and we'll see how that goes, but Houston, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota? Yikes. I thought you were talking about your personal life. hey <laughs> Saw the doc on TV last night. It's looking good. The doc? What are you talking about? Oh, I thought that's what you were talking about. I thought you were making some. Never mind. Move along. <laughs> Yuck just got it. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> what doc? Uh, oh, here's, uh, we just got this in from a Ute fan who says uh, the breaking news, the comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, retiring. They need to rename the award after him in every sport. No, oh, brother. Well, maybe in football, <laughs> that big guy. He must be a Ute fan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's got Ute gear. He's got Swoop with a helmet on. I mean, yeah, he's all in. Uh, it'd be, I'd be okay if they named the uh, the NFL award after him. It was a pretty sensational story. I don't think they're naming the MLB and NBA awards after him. They'll, they'll find their own comeback stars in their own sports. Uh, Steve is okay with the rest if the rest is more staggered. Don't rest four of your key players on the same night. That number one seat is crucial. Yeah, but that was an unusual circumstance there with the back-to-back like that. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, I don't think we're going to have that. And we got two more to go uh, in that way. So, um, and yet, but yet they were right there to win the game, too. So why not against uh, that team? Because that team is a watered-down version of itself when you think about it that way. I wish we could get the truth serum out of Quinn. He will never call out an individual player on one singular play. And I know there's a whole game worth of plays, and every basket counts two or three points. But, PK, with eight seconds left, it was two guys who play a lot of minutes squared up. And Schroeder, and I get if Gobert had been in there, Schroeder probably wouldn't have tried to go around uh, Royce O'Neal, but he went right around him to get the layup. And yeah. I know Royce was worried about him f- jumping into him and getting to the free throw line. And so yeah. that was part of what was going on there. But still, eight seconds left, and they got to the rim and got a layup to tie it. Ah! Pretty easy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you good with resting Jazz players down the stretch? Um, we got uh, Tony Jazz saying 100%. Last year showed us trying to play the matchup game doesn't always work. We tanked to face Denver instead of Houston, and that turned out great. Health is the number one priority. We're likely to hold on to the top spot in the West, even if we're resting one or two key players every night. Josh says... Likely hold the top spot. We've been bleeding games for two weeks now. Jazz are 6-4 and four in their last 10. And another uh, fan hopped in with, the Suns have a much tougher schedule coming up. The yep. Clippers, are li- Clippers are likely to rest their stars down the stretch, too. So it may not take uh, eight, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. We've got 15 games left. I'm not sure I can do the math on the radio. I think the, clap, the Clippers like where they're at right now. They're three. They don't. They avoid the Lakers. They're on the other side of the bracket, and they don't have home court against the Suns. But they don't really care. And as a three, they get Portland at six, and they think they can handle Portland. Yeah, and they're, they're playing. I can well. see why they're thinking all of that. Yeah, and I think there's some playoff history with the Clippers in Portland, but it's not these Clippers. So I don't think they care. No, the the other stuff was you know that was Doc Rivers and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and so what. Long gone. Long gone. Long gone. The fans carry the PTSD, but it doesn't matter. Billy Crystal doesn't care. <laughs> Their fan. 
after all these years. And Clipper Bob, or what's that Clipper guy's? What's his name? Clipper Daryl. Clipper Daryl. I knew it wasn't Bob. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they care. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. We will talk to you tomorrow morning. Hans and Scotty are coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network.